I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, thank you to our new sponsor, Postmates. Postmates enables anyone to get anything delivered in under one hour in all major U.S. cities. What a time to be alive. Feel the love, baby. The Postmates network of couriers can deliver from anywhere. Think, you want some Chipotle? Something from Walgreens? A burger from McDonald's? How about a a Slurpee from 7-Eleven? Any other local store or restaurant? Anything, anywhere, literally everywhere. With a few taps, Postmates will bring in any product right to your front door in less than one hour. It's like magic. Just download the Postmates app on iTunes or Android and enter the code Jericho for a free first delivery. Remember, enter the code J-E-R-I-C-H-O. That's how you spell Jericho, baby. And right now, Postmates deliveries start at just $3.99 for the best restaurants. Try it for dinner tonight. Just download the Postmates app on iTunes or Android and enter the code Jericho for a free first delivery. Remember, enter the code Jericho for a free first delivery. Check out Postmates and get anything you want delivered to your door in under one hour. All right, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since we lost the great Eddie Guerrero, a dear, dear friend of mine. 10 years today, November 13th, 2005, Eddie passed away. So actually, I had uh, Dean Malenko and Chavo Guerrero, two of the people who knew Eddie best along with me, got together at Chavo's house in Southern California, and we shared some Eddie stories and memories, wanted to uh, do a little bit of a tribute to our old bud, Eddie Guerrero. We talked about some of his great matches at WCW and WWE, what it was like to travel with him, what we all learned from him, and what we missed the most about Eddie. It's a celebration of Eddie's life and amazing career. We're not going into the to the, the passing of Eddie. We wanted to remember him, the, the good times, uh, the ups and downs of being Eddie Guerrero's friends. Uh, you're going to be laughing along with us, and probably even uh, crying a little bit, but we're going to remember some of the funnier, crazier Eddie moments that we could actually talk about on the show. It's a tribute to Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, and uh, Chavo Guerrero. And you're also going to be the first to hear about Chavo's new clothing line. That's right, Viva La Raza. 
one of Eddie's favorite, favorite uh, catchphrases. Chavo owns it. Chavo and Rey Mysterio got together to put together a clothing line, VLR, as a tribute to Eddie's favorite, favorite, saying it's launching on Monday, this Monday, November 16th. Check out VivaVLR.com now to get a special gift. And when VLR launches Monday, they'll be doing half-off shirts and free shipping. But here's the thing. The shirt design's only going to be available for 21 days, and then it's gone. So don't miss out. VivaVLR.com. Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio are involved. It's the new clothing line. It looks really, really cool. Check that out. And you know what else you want to check out? Your chance to win a signed copy of the DDP Yoga program. Okay, Diamond Dallas Page has autographed a copy of DDP Yoga, and he's giving it to one lucky Sexy Beast Talk as Jericho listener. It could be you. That's right, you listening right now in in uh, Kennesaw, Washington. Is that a place? If it is, it could you could be the winner. All you got to do is tweet your own DDP Yoga story. Tweet it to me at Talk is Jericho and use the hashtag Podcast One. We'll be choosing one winner at random from all the personal DDP Yoga stories and pictures we receive. And you guys know how I feel about DDP Yoga. DDP Yoga saved my music career and my wrestling career. I'm not the only one who had his life changed, though, thanks to DDP Yoga. Check out Arthur Borman. He also experienced the life-changing benefits of DDP Yoga. He's a disabled veteran who was injured after jumping out of an airplane as a paratrooper for 15 years. That's right, 15 years. He was told he'd never walk again without the aid of crutches and leg braces. He gained a ton of weight and nearly gave up on himself. You know, the first time I heard Arthur's story, when I was having some health issues of my own, I had just finished Dancing with the Stars and was preparing myself for back surgery. That's right. That show was so physically demanding, uh, plus add on 20 years of wrestling on top of it. I've told you guys about this before. I herniated a disc in my back. I thought uh, I thought I was done. I was told I needed surgery. Nothing I, could do, I would do would help me. I was having trouble doing normal, everyday things, bending over, getting into a car, sneezing. All of that hurt. Forget about wrestling. Forget about singing. I thought both of my careers were done i tweeted out a photo of myself on an acupuncturist table just trying to do anything i could to deal with the back pain a few minutes later i sent that tweet my buddy diamond dallas page dm me and told me to call him about ddp yoga i thought yeah whatever like that's going to fix my problem you know uh, yoga's for hippies and, and gurus um, i started talking to ddp and remember that he came back from two herniated discs and became the world champion three times so ddp sent me the video of Arthur, this disabled veteran. That was all I needed to see. The video was so inspiring. It still is. I know you've got your own inspiring DDP yoga stories. Tweet them to me at Talk is Jericho. Use the hashtag podcast one and you could win a copy of the DDP yoga program autographed by Diamond Dallas Page himself. It's worth it. I'm telling you right now, if you're having health problems, whether you're big or small, girl or boy, whatever it is, DDP yoga will change your health and make you feel better. You have time to experience your own DDP yoga story because DDP has given you guys a great deal. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of this deal. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. DDP yoga changes lives, and I'm a testament to that. Arthur Borman's a testament to that. Get in the best shape of your life and do it now. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Okay, so um, looking for uh, Chavo Guerrero's house, and I was walking down the street, and I knew this was his house because there was a bunch of lowriders parked in front, 
<laughs> with, with blankets over top of them or covers over top of them. And so I knew I had the right place. And uh, we're those are your lowriders, right? Yeah, man. That hey, one of those lowriders out there is the very first one that uh, uh, Eddie and I ever came out in. Oh, really? Yeah, in Worcester, Mass. And it used to be green. And then uh, John Cena bought it, and he had it for a little bit. And then when Eddie passed, he uh, he gave it to me, and I had it completely redone. You're kidding me? Yeah, frame off resto, man. That thing's perfect. That thing's like you can eat off that thing. What year is that? Sixty three. Sixty three SS convertible ragtop. You're kidding me. What a great way to start off this, the show because I'm here with, with Chavo and with Dean Malenko, and we're here to talk about Eddie Guerrero on the uh, 10th anniversary of his passing. Uh, very important in all of our lives in, in many different ways. But so what you're saying is that you get that was somebody else's car from Worcester, Massachusetts? Yeah, so we used to always come out on um, you know, pay-per-views, and they weren't our cars. We, every um, city that we, that we went to, we made a deal with a, with a car club, and they'd bring a, you know, a, a low rider or a cool truck or something for us to come out in. So that was the very first one. We pitched the idea to Vince, and Vince was like, well, yeah, this is a great idea. And then we came out with uh, the lowrider, and uh, that was the very first one. Dean ended up buying it. Cena? Dean, Dean wouldn't Dean. buy that. Dean, I wouldn't buy Dean, that. I just saw Dean. Uh, Cena ended up buying it, and um, he had it for, for a bit, you know. And then when Eddie passed, you know, he, he was gener- generous enough to give it to me. So I, um, I took it. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I had it, you know, I had it redone, completely redone, and that thing is like uh, – I mean, it's pristine. It's been in car shows and magazines and everything, man. It's pretty cool. Wow. What's cool about that car is that if when I pull up to like a really cool, like a really nice restaurant here, you'll see um, Lamborghini. You know, in Southern California, you'll see, you'll see Lamborghinis and Bentleys and Ferraris. And then I'll pull up with that and I'll drop it, put the top down. And everybody freaks out, man. Everybody comes to me and is like, "Wow, the thing's that is awesome." Now, is this the thing that it, it, you hit? Like it goes up and down, like ching, ching, ching. What makes it do that? So it's a hydraulics. Mm-hmm. So hydraulics make the car go up and down. Now hydraulics are kind of that's 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 um, really like unique to the to the lowrider cult, culture, and kind of an old technology because it's really there's no suspension in it. It's very just just for up and down is what it was because from it's an almost like a '60s technology. So I changed it out and put really really high end airbags in there and an air ride, so it still goes up and down, totally totally like down up and down fast, all that stuff. But it's got a great ride now. It rides like a Cadillac. It rides beautifully now, man. I think it rides like like I had the hydraulics in there before and I switched them out and now I mean it. it I mean I go over bumps and it's like this thing's like nicer than a regular, like a new car. What a great memory. It's awesome, man. And, and, and talking about memories, this was all kind of orchestrated by Dean. I'm selling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably the only car I never drove Eddie around in. Actually. Yeah. Because I, I drove him everywhere else. I know, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and this was actually your idea, Dean, to kind of do something here for, for Eddie's 10-year passing, and you kind of came up with the idea. It'd be cool if we could get some of the guys together, uh, Chavo, myself, you. We wanted to have Ray Mysterio here. Unfortunately, couldn't be here. But so I thought it was a pretty, pretty great idea. And what was your uh, mindset behind that? No, Eddie's just an important part of my life. I uh, like his, yours, and, and Chavo's, and, and, and all his fans out there. And it was an, an opportunity to keep uh, Eddie's name out there and prevalent, and that we never forget him. Right. And, and speaking of that, touching on what you, Dean used to drive us around everywhere. Dean was always a driver. Every time we were actually, you know, out anywhere, you know, and and uh, riding together, Dean always would would drive because. 
The guy's got a photographic memory. I've told this story before. He, everywhere we go, he's we'll be like in in, uh, in Saginaw, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, there's a gym right around the corner here from here." I was like, "How do you know this? How, are you like 180? Are you Gandalf?" I, sw- I swallowed a GPS. No, one of the best of all time was I actually failed on this one. We were in Fort Wayne, Indiana, going to a world gym. You and Eddie were in the car in front of me. And somehow I got in front of you guys. I forgot where the, the gym was, so I called the World Gym in Fort Wayne and asked them how to get there without you guys seeing me on the phone. <laughs> no, you did? Yeah, so we ended up going through a residential area. I actually ended up pulling up, and you come out of the car right away, and you said, how do you do this? It's every single week you know where the gym was. And, of course, I didn't stooge myself off. I just wanted you guys to realize that I'm still knowing where all these places were, but I actually had to call the gym manager and had to guide me in there. Because it's through a residential. Well, I always said, back then it cost them because cell phones were new, so it cost them like eighty-five bucks to call the place. Well, I always, I always said, I, I, if I was organized, I would have taken like a, one of those little notebooks and written like actually an address book and put every city from A to Z, and then put okay, here's the radio station that Dean told me to listen right, to. Right. Here's where the gym is. Here's where the best restaurant is. But I always forgot every time. And I'd be like, Dean, what's the rock station here in Fort Wayne? Oh, it's a uh, ninety-five point one, the Bird. For all you, you uh, young listeners out there, this is before GPS, before we had before cell phones, before cell phones, before iPods, because yeah. mm-hmm. we we had CDs still in the car, and we had the the maps. We had a yeah. Rand McNally, and I don't yeah. leave it in my my rental car. I'm, every trip, I have to go buy a brand new one. <laughs> yeah. We were lost for like 15 years straight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, Except when you'd you pull up deep, to the gas station. He remembered everywhere. You just say you, you always say, "Where's the wrestling at?" Wrestling? I didn't know there's no wrestling in town. Where's the rest on that? So we're talking about, about Eddie and uh, you know, and trying to keep the memory alive of, of him. And it's interesting because over the years, he's become um, almost like a folk hero in, in WWE history. And, and you mentioned tonight Staples Center pay-per-view, and you were telling me, Dean? Right. I Seth had a match with uh, Demon Kane, and uh, he hit a frog splash off the top, and our sold-out crowd started chanting Eddie's name, and it just kind of gave me goosebumps, and it's just a... It's again, it's kind of just what you just said. Uh, wrestling fans out there that never forgot and never will forget Eddie Guerrero. And I just saw it today, and it's kind of going around on, on like Facebook and stuff. But uh, I saw it today, and it, and it was saying why Eddie Guerrero, it was like 15 reasons why Eddie Guerrero could be the best wrestler of all time. Wow. And, and I, and I kind of started, I kind of gritted my teeth a little bit. I said, you know what? I go, really? That's that's funny because when when he was alive and he's around, he was struggling for his spot, and and you know, the 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 brass up upper they all knew were good. we all knew he was good, but they always you know he always had to prove himself and he always had to make everybody else you know what I mean and it was like all of a sudden like did he have to like pass to. For well, him to but, be recognized? But, but the answer is probably yes, because if you look, let's say, look at rock and roll, like take Stevie Ray Vaughan or True. Randy Rhodes. Yeah. You know, they passed True. away True. so early in like the Buddy Holly and these like horrific accents. Had right. they stayed alive, you know, would Stevie Ray Vaughan be like Eric Clapton now? And Clapton would be like Stevie if the roles are reversed yeah, or Clapton's sure. just kind of like a curmudgeonly old man, you know, like right. because Eddie was, 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 was taken away at such a young age. Right. You remember him so much more fondly, sure, because yeah, he never yeah, had the chance maybe, to kind of take yeah. a downward spiral. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe you know, maybe, you know what? I I see that we just kind of have. Uh, I think all three of us here are kind of in the same boat. We're always like, uh, you know, pissed and like, uh, 
you know, we were always, we knew how good he was. We knew how good every one of us was and all the people that we wrestled with, how good they were and how we were uh, always, you know, overlooked mm-hmm. so many different times in so many different places that, uh, you know, it's like, you, you know, w- w- how often do we have to make other people look good before actually we get recognized? Mm-hmm. And Eddie was in that same boat. You know, he he was told. I mean, I remember him being told and, and talking to me and confiding to me and going, hey, well, they just think I'm a cruiserweight. I guess that's all I'm In WCW? No. In WWE? In WWE. That Interesting. Was, that was How do you JR. mean? JR told him, well, you're a cruiserweight. You're a cruiserweight, and that's who you are. That's what, you know, you're, you're when he first came in? He was always striving to be better and bigger. Because one time he told um, um, Eric Bischoff in WCW, he goes, you know what, I want to make a million dollars. And Eric kind of chuckled and laughed at him. And, uh, you know, Eddie didn't take it. And he went on and eventually left WWE with Dean and Chris. and, uh, and Left Eric. to WWE. Yeah, I mean, left uh, WCW to WWE. And then... Uh, and there was the same stuff here, and he was trying. He was, uh, you know, and it was, of course it was a different Eddie. It was a different time, different different place. He was he was definitely in a different place. Yeah. So pour a drink there yeah. to Eddie. So, uh, you know, and he he was he was told, you know, hey, well you're you're a cruiserweight. That's just, that's what you are. You know, just mm. kind of accept it. And he wouldn't. Thank God he didn't. You know. Well, you know what's interesting though. I remember, and we can talk about this, and we'll be all over the place in this in this show. But I remember when you guys first came in, talking to Dean here, when the Radicals came to the WWE, that my first program with any of you guys was with Eddie and Brian Gewertz told me, well, Eddie's the guy that they think has the most personality. They they like Vince right off the bat said, well, that's the guy with the personality in this gang, because even though he was a smaller guy. Even right off the bat, they realized, well, he's got something different. Sure. Um, the first night you guys came in, the Radicals came in. Actually, the first night you worked, I remember, is Detroit, right? Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Right. Was, is all four of you worked, and Triple H worked with Benoit? Oh, no, that particular time was Detroit. Yeah. Our, our first, first actual on-air uh, was, was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, going down the stairs. Right. But then the next week, let's say, you right. guys all worked. First match. And was that you and Eddie as a team, or was that Perry no, that and Eddie? Perry and Eddie against uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Gotcha. Chris against Hunter. And uh, myself against X-Pac, which was kind of cool because he was my student. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. How, what, what a dynamic, right? Dynamic, like just foursome coming in. You know, Eddie just, just you know, being this crazy worker. And Chris coming in as this, like, Ferrari. And then D coming in as the... the the, Jalopy, the the, 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 mas, the master wrestler, you know. What I mean, it was the it was, it was like great. That's a pretty. Well, good. But tell me about this, Dean. I mean, when you guys left WCW, and like I said, we'll we'll go into more WCW stuff. But how I always that always blows my mind that the four of you were allowed Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, uh, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit to leave at the same time in the middle of the wrestling war. How in the hell did you – what happened there? Well, it was, it was a little bit crazy. That actually uh, – it started in Cincinnati, Ohio, of all places. Actually, there was a couple other guys that was part of that group that took a walk down the long corridor to go meet – I believe it was Bill Barons or uh, – who was sure, kind of sure. the guy that was kind of – Running it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was, was like the boss? Things. Yeah, well, in between Eric's hiatus here in the company. And uh, he kind of said, if you don't want to be here, then you don't have to be here. And we kind of remember that more Perry than anybody else who – Kind of brought that up in a conversation, but one of the funny things, oh, and, 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 I've told good, it, and that was good to you guys' uh, 
for you guys because it wasn't a a wrestling guy that was in, involved. No, it was just a guy that that uh, was it. Turn no AOL at the time or Time uh, no, Warner. No, AOL wasn't part. It was, it was part of Turner. I think it was an attorney. Just said an executive who, who, did, who knew nothing right. really about wrestling. No. and just said, "Well, well, okay," and didn't know how valuable these guys were, and just said, hey, "Oh, you got to leave. Go, go I don't leave." Think he knew her name, to be honest. Yeah, with exactly. He didn't. But know one of the one of the funny stories in the of, of that day was that Eddie was actually late to the building. That's right. And we were walking down the hallway, and we were all walking there to basically give our uh, resignation in. And Eddie goes, where are you going? I go, we're quitting. He goes, I'll come with you. And then not knowing the story or anything, and he's got a suitcase. <laughs> he's, yeah, I go, you can leave your suitcase out here. That might be a little forward <laughs> on your part. And I remember I still laugh, t- Yeah, I still laugh about it this day because, like, he, he was going to quit a company making probably six figures and making a really good amount yeah. of money. And guaranteed money back then. I knew as all those guys were making, and uh, (laughs) you know, just because he just trusted us enough, going, well, I guess if you guys are going, I'm going to go with you. Yeah, you know, that's the type of guy. Yeah, yeah, sticking together, trust factor, also, you know. It was like he was walking in. Yeah, <laughs> we're, going, yeah. we're walking out, and he just turned right around. And <laughs> That's right. Out. I remember Chris telling me he walked in. Where you going to? And just spin on the heels and go. Okay, right around. Okay, I'm in. Okay, and I could tell Eddie anything at that point. Like we're all going to go jump off a bridge. Okay, I'll come with you. Okay. Because okay. you guys were so mentally just fatigued and done and over it at that. Yeah, point. And, and the other thing too is you know coming from Japan and working there for so many years, all three of us right. that we knew we had some kind of safety net that if anything ECW didn't work out here, or right? Try to get in WWE or whatever, anything from an independent company here in the states that we could right. always go back to japan to work so sure. you know it wasn't like we just left something high and dry and so so because because the guy said uh at some point if you guys want to leave just tell me because perry brought that up they just let you go um well the next day we were in columbus ohio and uh that night in cincinnati was a pay-per-view chris actually wrestled Sid vicious won the title so they made him go out to the car and bring the title back in and basically said, listen, uh, <laughs> kind of like go home and we'll give you a call. And I also remember Perry saying before we leave, at least we go to catering one more time. <laughs> Can we go eat some foods? <laughs> yeah, try to, try to get one more free meal before Chris we walk out Chris just won the title and, they, and he's leaving. Yeah, he's leaving. <laughs> he just walked out with the title. Well, he didn't yeah. want the title. Though. Remember, no. someone so yeah. was like, if you stay, I'll give you the title. And he was yeah. like, I don't want the title. Right. Because you guys already made your mind right here. It wasn't about the title. It was just about being in an environment right, that right, we had right, fun right, with. Right, right. Yeah, and then were you still there, Chavo and W7 when they left? Yes. Did I you was, feel like you I wasn't there that night. I remember getting a call from Eddie and him going, hey, we're leaving to uh, to WWF at the time. We're leaving. And I'm like, okay. He goes like, so what do you, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. What, what should I do? He goes, do you want to come with us or what? I was like, I don't know. And he goes, well, I think, you know what? I think you should stay. I think you can make your mark here now. And, uh, you know, Eddie was always my big brother, so always giving me advice. And I always took his, his advice because he was you know, definitely way more experienced than I was. And then uh, so he was like, I think maybe you should stay and because a big spot's opening up now. We're all leaving here. And I mm. said, yeah, I think you're right. And you know what? In all hindsight, as I look at it now, I was not even close to being ready to go right. to, to WWE. Not even iota even when i went to wwe i was mm-hmm. it took me another three or four years before i was even yeah even there yeah because that's the thing like sure. i'm sure you figure this out too dean like you always heard about the wwe style and how much different it was right. and it really was a whole different world oh, of course i remember i didn't even Absolutely. know how to i didn't even know how to bump and feed Absolutely. when i first came into yeah. WWE because i never heard of that before what's bumping and feeding for us we give each other a move you sell it you know, like back up on your feet again and taking another bump, and it just it was a whole different world there. We, you know, we always had to. We really had to 
we we worked each everybody anyways, but when we got to WWE, you really had to work people. Yes, and, and let them that you make them think that you knew more than you did, because even being you know me living in the business for for my whole life and growing up with the, with the ring in the backyard, when I got to WWE, I I had to I had, I had to work everybody that they they make they work them by making them think that mm-hmm. I knew what the heck I was doing, because when I got here, it's like. Like wow, this was this was the big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys discuss that pretty uh, at length before you were going to leave, or was it just like anything is better than this? No, actually, there, believe it or not, there was no like I said, there was no thought process what we're going to do after we quit. <laughs> it wasn't until like afterwards, then you sat and go, okay, now what do I do? Well, there's only one other show in town, and that's you called WWE at the point. Right. But again, knowing the three of us, and that's Chris Eddie and myself, that we had something to fall back on. And God forbid anything. At, you know, didn't pan out for us. We could always go back to Japan and make a living. You guys were confident in your abilities. Yeah, you guys were. You know, you got you three, and 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 throw Perry in there. You you know, very top wrestlers in the in the world. Well, you know, being a second generation wrestler and listening to all the things that my dad told me, right. one of the things that he said was, as long as you could wrestle, you always have a job somewhere. Right, and <laughs> that's exactly. You know, what I was going to say, Eddie said the same exactly thing to me that his dad told him. Yeah. Yeah. He must was my grandfather and you're following each other, right? Yes, they didn't. So it was like. I'm sure that, yeah, that and that was that old school mentality yeah. of you know as long as you can wrestle from bell to bell, you know, at least you'll. It's have called some wrestling, kind of job. exactly. And if you can wrestle, yeah. you'll always have always a job. Have a job. Business, right? So you guys actually quit before you even had talked to WWE. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was I, probably it was probably like about a week, maybe two weeks after that we contacted uh, Jr. and then we we flew up and at, had a meeting at a as a, as who called him all four of you to get hey guy hey this is hey this is Dean this is yeah, it was like the Stooges. Hello, yeah. hello, 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 hello. We want work. No, uh, I can't really remember. I think I did. I was going to say it I seemed like you'd be the. Yeah, I did kind of most of the business deals for. for Why do players. I think? And I don't know if I'm mistaken, but I think Eddie had contacted them before. I think Eddie was unhappy before, and had contacted them. And I don't know if he had a meeting yeah. or not, but I think he had a conversation. Well, no. And I don't know for sure. That'd be probably a Vicky question, but I don't know for sure. But I think that he contacted them and talked to them before that. that. Well, another part of that story is, and the, the irony of the whole thing that we started in Pittsburgh was almost a year to the day backing up is that we ran into Vince McMahon at the Holiday Inn. That's right. Oh, I was with yes. Yeah, because me and you. Wow. And Fit was with us. Yeah, we were in, uh, I think we just came back from Erie, Pennsylvania. Was it Erie, Pennsylvania? Erie or State College or one of those. Or one of those. No, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. There you go. Where the flood was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, we were working each other, and we were the only guys there. We ended up doing everybody's <laughs> finishes in the match because we were frustrated. Let me just do this. I, yeah, it's too good of a story. So so there was, back in those days, there was seven matches on the show, WCW. And the main event was always, I'll give Paige credit. He always showed up and right. whoever the random heel was would be the main event and then there'd be like chris adams versus bobby blaze and this guy versus that guy and then three lucha matches and then you and i would always close the first half malenko and jericho so the the mexican guys were lost in a van traveling together <laughs> and so they said well dean and chris go out there and work until they get here and so it's easy to work we could work an hour easy if yeah. we knew we had an hour but when you don't know if you have five minutes or no. 10 or 25 or 30 or 50 or an hour or whatever, you don't know how to pace your match. Right. So right. You turned heel. I turned heel. I gave you my finish. You gave me your finish. We're yeah. like, are they here yet? Keep going. I think we did like everybody's greatest hits in, in, in <laughs> yeah, one match. Exactly. So we show up to the Holiday Inn. It was late. And we're still kind of like frustrated. And I remember checking in. I turned and I bumped right into Vince. And it was one of those ones, you know, I looked around like, you know, who cares at this point? I said, uh, 
And I remember exactly. I said, what would you think about getting myself, Eddie, and Chris all in one bundle? You asked him? Oh, yeah. Wow, what did he say? And he said, it was like, you know, we really shouldn't have this conversation. And uh, he gave me a business card and said, meet this gentleman in the in the bar and you can talk to him. And it was, I believe it was, uh, it was Bruce Pritchard. You're kidding me. No. So we sat with Bruce and, and a year to the day, same hotel, Holiday Inn in Pittsburgh by the airport. We stayed there yeah, and debuted in Pittsburgh. Wow. So that's really, you never really- I, I love that old school stuff of like, we shouldn't have this conversation, yeah. but take this card right. and talk to this guy. In well, the- at that point, we're not we were officially have this conversation, yeah. but we, we are. Still employed but you could have it with Bruce. Yeah. What's that? We were still employed by WCW. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You couldn't. You couldn't. I remember that. I remember Vince was wearing some crazy like plaid sports right. coat with like the pockets of his breast lapel. Because when we walked in there, we didn't know. And it no. was still back in those days to see Vince McMahon. Like, it's pretty crazy. Because I remember Sean right. was in there too. Shawn Michaels and I was like oh my god Shawn Michaels here and he was like you know Shawn in the 90s you know but I remember the how intimidating it was because WCW even though we won some ratings wars or whatever it's still to me it still was the minor leagues compared to WWE absolutely well you know we always strive we all strived to work in WWF Mm -hmm. WWE Mm -hmm. all of us I actually got a call not to interrupt you but you mentioned before that Eddie had called Eddie called me because well, I left first That's out right. of you, all of our guys. Before, yes. All of us. So you, you had a, the yes. experience before anybody. I was on my own, too, and I got yeah, right. destroyed because I had no friends there. I was so excited when you guys right. finally right. showed up. Right. I had some friends. Right. But uh, Eddie called me. He's like, hey, man, what, what do you think um, about about leaving? And I was like, well, you need to go because right. it's, it's, not, it's not the best here, but it's better than there. Anything was better than there. Yeah, point. right, because it was so terrible for all of us at this point. At yeah. that point, remember how awesome WCW was when we first started? Oh, of course. We loved that place, man. That was great. Oh, because everybody was there, and, you it know. Was just, man, it was so fun. The was, undercards yeah. of WCW in the 90s yeah, right? blew away WWE's undercards. It's just the main events in the WWE were great. But do you remember what, when I talk to anybody, any fan, and they tell me, we used to watch the first hour of WCW <laughs> yeah. and the second hour of Raw. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember that? First hour of Nitro, second hour of Raw. And that's how everybody did. They, they, they were, they'd watch us as, you know, I don't know what that is. Uh, us as, you know, the cruiserweights kicking, kicking butt, and then well, Lex would come out. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Lex. Sorry, right, I love you, buddy. I would always say that, you know, you can pin the success of WCW on the NWO. I'll give them that. Second sure. secondary reason why WCW was killing WWE was because of us. No, no, hold on, hold on. Let's change that. It was us, but we followed them. We and I'm pointing to Dean, Eddie, and Chris. Right. Because when they, they came first, in, yeah. when they came in from ECW and Japan, and they came in, they changed wrestling. Period. Over and out. Nobody had seen brawling, flying, and an actual wrestling, mm-hmm. like like they had done the Jap- Japanese style, the Mexican style, and the American style, and then European style. In there, nobody had seen that before. Well, and it's but amazing they, they, how the three of you guys true. basically we, we, you me copied that. Yeah, Chris, Chris copied. I cro- we copied you guys because that's you didn't copy the crossbody. <laughs> I'll never let you down. The, the crossbody. We'll tell you about that. In a minute. <laughs> All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas. See? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. 
You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Okay, let's get back to our Eddie Guerrero tribute with Chavo Guerrero and Dean Malenko. So, so tell me about this, Dean. Chavo brought up a good point about how you guys followed each other going in reverse from WCW to ECW to Japan. When did you first meet Eddie and, and Chris, most specifically Eddie? We met in uh, we met in Japan in the early '90s, and um, you know, first I've heard of Eddie because I knew his brothers uh, actually wrestled. Uh, Hector, many, many years ago, your dad had never wrestled. Um, he, trained, he trained my grandpa. <laughs> yeah, trained trained your grandpa. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's that tag match with Abel and Kane. But, uh, <laughs> no, we um, hit it off. And uh, it's funny because uh, Eddie's dad and my dad used to work together up in the Carolinas. And uh, I can't remember how the story went. I told Eddie this. And Eddie kind of knew the story from his dad. But it was something said where I think Eddie's dad felt like a little bit of an outcast being of Mexican descent in the Carolinas of all places. And my dad said something like, well, you wear a sombrero and I wear a yarmulke. Kind of like, you know, comparing that they're kind That's of the cool. same boat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Eddie's funny because he goes, I heard your reputation and without even meeting you. And uh, Black Hat, who's a dear friend of all of us who passed, Victor Mara, who was a great guy. He was a trainer in all J- uh, New Japan and a kind of a yeah. undercard wrestler, but he was like a wizard. Oh, yeah. He was so yeah. smart, like a Jedi. Great guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he kept telling Eddie, great, you know, great, great D- Dean's fine, you know, and Eddie's first match me, he was scared to death. Like, uh, I thought he was going to, you know, like. You thought Eddie was going to beat you, kick no, you No, Eddie, Eddie was leery about you? wrestling with me, like oh. I had some reputation or something. Like I took some you shoot up. Yeah, yeah, like I'm some big shooter or something. And uh, no, we just we hit it off from uh, from day one, the first time we ever met. Just as guys or yeah. in the ring? Yeah, actually, the, the first tour that we ever did and the first time I met him was a uh, junior heavyweight tour with the oh, okay. tournaments when you go around. Mm. Wrestle each guy Super once. Super J or whatever? Yeah. Super, Super, that's no, that, top of the Super yeah, J or something? Yeah. Was, was Benoit on that with you guys? Yeah. Chris wasn't. Did you guys all meet each other together at the same time? Me and Chris uh, did two or three tours prior to Eddie coming on. And then you heard about this hot young upstart, Eddie Guerrero, coming over. Yeah, yeah. And we. uh, What a crappy tour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, first match we had, we just kind of hit it off and kind of knew there was a chemistry right from the get go. And and let's be honest here. I mean, this is is a long, uh, almost a forgotten thing. If you guys have not seen Guerrero versus Malenko, ECW. Go watch. Oh. ECW was an offshoot a- a- of the Eddie New Guerrero, Japan. Eddie Guerrero or Eddie Guerrero yeah. <laughs> versus Dean Maleko. You, you guys had some of the best chemistry of any performers Absolutely. that I've ever seen. Absolutely. Did that Was that instantaneous or was it? Pretty much. And, and you'll know this and Chavo will know this, but 
there's nobody better that you have better matches with than your friends. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because there's a trust. It's true. It's true. Eddie trusted me to call out of stuff in the ring and, and kind of felt what was coming up or whatever. I mean, we worked together mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And uh, that's what it is. It's a, it's a trust. But sometimes when you're not friends, there's like, is this guy for himself? And yes. It's not about the match. It's about him. And, you know, anytime it was me and Eddie or me and yourself or, well, maybe Chavo. <laughs> or me and who anybody that was a friend of mine and that we were just friends because it was that mutual agreement of you know we're going to go out there and have the best match possible you might get a black eye and i might get a bloody nose whatever but it's it's for the business type of deal and mm-hmm. kind of lay all the cards out on the table and that's the way any any me always kind of worked you know that being that being said me and chris uh benoit we would we would kiss each other on the cheek and l- literally say are you blank i'm blank are you blank i'm blank okay and just walk out there and just go to what does that mean? Days. Are you blank? Are you blank? Are you do you have nothing in your head? Do you have nothing planned? Nothing out wow. Nothing that you actually are thinking about doing? He goes, Yes, okay, me too. And then we'd go. And then the, the referee would go, like, what's the finish? I said, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm either tapping to a to a, <laughs> I'm either tapping to a, a cross, cross face. face or a sharpshooter or there's a headbutt or there's a frog splash. I go, when you count to three, that's the finish. We would literally do that. And, hey, I, I would look at him. I go, bring it. You bring it. Okay, great. Kiss, kiss on the cheek. We're blank. And we'll walk out there. Mm-hmm. Blank. Completely blank. And he's kind of one of the only ones I would ever really do that with. And we got to, you all, Russell Chris, and you know how he was. We would just get his, just, you know, his um, reaction. And, you know, you never, I would never have to tell him to chop me. When I hesitated too much, he would just take over. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was my... If I didn't want him to kick my ass, I would be to stay on him. Bam, 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 bam. As soon as I paused for a second, it was his turn to come back. So you know, here, here's, here's, here's the, the, the yin and yang with Chris and Eddie. Both tremendous, tremendous workers. I always felt that Chris was a little bit more brutal, but Eddie was a little bit more fluid. And it was the same style of, of not having much plan, but I found Eddie's style... When you mentioned earlier the 15 reasons why Eddie possibly could be the best worker, I have thought about it many times. He could be the best worker that I, that yeah. had been in the ring with Eddie Guerrero. Uh, well, I think one hidden secret about Eddie that a lot of people don't know is he had a little bit of an amateur background. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps from being fluid in the ring and the way you move. Yeah. Um, Eddie Chris was, didn't have that. Yeah. Right. And uh, Chris was more hard blockier nose, and hard. Chris was more dynamite kid. Right. Exactly. Whereas Eddie was more Shawn Michaels. Th- th- yeah. This is it. And I've, t- and I've told this, wrestling all three of you guys. That I was the best. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> This is it. Eddie could could make you could make a bum on the street look like a world champion. Chris, if you didn't step up, would eat you up. He would if you weren't gonna like like bring it to him. Well, then I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I gotta beat you up. But if you brought it to him, okay, then he could have a match with you. And Dean was the same way. Dean could sit there and he could he could lead you, but he would lose patience real fast, and he would just. He was too good and too prideful and too um, – he'd had too much respect for – not too much. He had the right amount of respect for the business that he would say, well, this kid, I'm sorry. He was old school. If you can't bring it, then, then I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. If you brought it, then great, perfect. Then he would have he would, he would do the, have a great match with you. But that, those were the difference. Those were the difference. Eddie would – it was, a, it was a different kind of respect. He'd say, okay, well, I have to have a match with this guy, so let me make him look very good. Eddie was a thinker. 
It, yes, I always seem yes, thinking yes, about yes. stuff like Sometimes like too much, yeah, and overthinking. You know, and, and, right, and, and I mean, that, and Dean, I mean, there's a compliment. I mean that you guys were so every one of you guys were so good in your own aspect. It was amazing. No, no. Let me just. Dean just said that Eddie sometimes thought too much. No, absolutely. Explain, huge, explain huge, that. Huge. Eddie overthink, uh, thank a lot of a lot of things in the ring. You know, should I have done that? Should I, maybe I should have done that instead. Um, I think the only negative I always had about Eddie was just that I think sometimes he didn't enjoy the business like he should have. Mm, you right. know, uh, sure. you can go, Eddie, man, that was a five-star match. You know, and right away, uh, yeah, I just, bro, yeah, but damn, you know, like he trying was to take every worst yeah, critic. Yeah, exactly, and, and we all are. You know, yeah. And sometimes until you, with the wonderful world of video, and you go back and and re-see the, and you, you know, relook at the matches, you know, sometimes hey, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was, or that was worse than I thought it was. You, you know, know how many times I told Eddie? I remember one time he, he when when remember when Vicky came out in his match and they're doing the ladder match and she had, and it was it got all messed up and but but it really wasn't it came no. out it came out great and he came back and he was so pissed and i pulled him aside i go what do you what, what's, what's wrong well i mean they sent her too early and then she did this and, and i go it was it was perfect mm-hmm. it worked out great the only people know that it was messed up to where what you guys thought it would go was you? Mm-hmm. It was great. He was so good at improvising that nobody could tell, and that's the difference. Like that's where Dean, like we, I grew up. My dad was always saying, "Look, how was the finish?" Because that's what they're. That's what they're. Great going point. Remember. They're going to remember the finish. Was the finish good? Did it get him? Okay, great. If the match was perfect and the finish sucked, well, that's, that's all they're going to remember. Great point. So Dean's the same way. I, I know that, that he's like. Okay, it's never going to go perfect. <laughs> You're never going to have the perfect match. It's, I've never once, ne- not not one of us has ever had a perfect match. It's never happened. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 now, how was it for you, Dean, very early on after you came to the WWE? You, you went into becoming a, a producer agent maybe after a couple of years. How was it for you now having to be, I mean, I know how bad it is that you have to be my agent every single week and drive you nuts. Yeah. Was it the same with Eddie? or how, how That's was why I'm it? on heart medication. <laughs> yeah. how, how was it with Eddie, though? Because I know. Uh, it was a little rough. Actually, funny you bring that up because I had a, a talk with uh, uh, Bradshaw uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about a story that happened in Germany. Uh, Eddie was a huge uh, baby face of the company at that point in his career. And Bradshaw was a heel, and we were in one of those towns in Germany, and it was good crowds. And for some reason, there was a couple little hecklers out in the audience that started getting on and Eddie. And this is where this is where Eddie takes things to heart, and he he knows he works hard, but he let these people get to him. And it's freedom of speech. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you pay you pay your hard-earned dollar, and you can say negative. Eddie positive, sucks or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, we love Cena. Cena sucks. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, that's the audience, and they're going to say what they want to say. At least, at least they're screaming for some for, right, making noise, right, yeah, enjoying exactly. themselves. And uh, so they started heckling him, and well, Eddie became Eddie, and Eddie rolled out of the ring. And this, I think, this is one of my first uh, Europe tours with the boys as a producer with the company. And of course, now I have Eddie on the on the tour. Uh, and Eddie started. It was a German, right? right? Yeah, right away I started know. getting all over this German audience, and I hate German. This and that. He's on the microphone. Oh yeah, he's in the microphone right during the match. I hate Germans. <laughs> You, you know, suck. You, yeah, he, you suck. He just, he just, he just he took it to heart. Yeah, yeah, he flipped out, 
And I'm just standing back there with my hand over my face going, please don't put me in this, this position because <laughs> yeah. we're friends. But, you know, he understood, too, that, you know, that was my job. And, you know, I'm there to watch the show and make sure everything runs okay. So he walks by me, and I go to open my mouth to say something. He goes, not now. I go, okay, fair enough. I get a knock about 3 o'clock in, in, in the night. And I'm like getting, I think we had, like, an early morning flight um, to the next town in, uh, in Europe. And I, like, wake up, like, who in the heck is knocking on my door? And I look through the little people, and it's Eddie, you know, slouched over with his, with his back. And I open the door, and I just have a little crack. And he goes, I'm sorry about tonight. I didn't mean to say all that. I go, Eddie, go to sleep. You're good. Because <laughs> me and Bradshaw were just laughing because John goes, yeah, that was me. That was me in the match. <laughs> now, you just said something funny, too. This is the classic. You kind of have it, Chavo, but not as much. The Guerrero slump. Uh-huh. The hunch, giant hunch shoulders back. and traps that kind of lead just to a big, like, semicircle f- from your head and a little bit of a slump. It but just... No, it, it, it's with the Notre Dame hunchback. <laughs> That's, right. That's what it is. You, you do that. You add all of that, the big shoulders. Giant, uh, big arms. Big shoulders, smaller chest, yeah. and the, the, the hunchback, and that's the Guerrero <laughs> But you have bigger legs than Eddie, too. Eddie yeah, had the yeah. thin legs. Right, right. Remember, legs. Hattori said to me, you Mexican Flamingo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from Ingo. But that was the that yeah, was the Eddie uh the Eddie kind of the slouch over. Um when was the uh when was the first time that you ever experienced Eddie the uh, Eddie the Giant Dean? Was that in Japan at some point? Oh yeah, it had to be because that was my first first uh, impression of uh, like either going out to a bar or having a couple of drinks with Eddie or whatever, but yeah, Eddie, Eddie uh, after a couple of drinks would be there. He'd go from like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, to about 6'8". 8'5", 8'9". So just, just the, opposite. the real giant, just so you all know, the re- and we've, we've said this before, but the real giant in all of you know WWE or all of wrestling is Eddie Guerrero. Right, not Big Show or Kali or any of those guys. Although they are big and yeah. tough guys. They're big, literally. Yeah, big. Eddie, Eddie was the giant. He would grow from... Five nine to six six ten really <laughs> yeah. really fast, and that's something that's funny because I think that carries with all the Guerreros that we all like. I think Eddie was extreme, <laughs> extreme <laughs> amount, but we all grow really fast. So we all think I think we all think we're six four or something. Guys <laughs> like chia pets. Yeah, yeah, we grow. But I, I've said that many times. Where I've woken up in the morning many times and am like. God, man, I, I thought I was bigger than that last night as I'm holding my black eye. <laughs> right? It's, it's the incredible Hulk syndrome. What happened? You shrink back I, I up thought I was clothes bigger than that. Well, the first, the first time I ever met Eddie was Eddie the Giant because I was in Mexico City where Hector was uh, – Paco Alonso, who was the boss of CMLL, yeah. put Hector with me as kind of a – uh, show me around. Show me how to get around on the buses, and you know we had to travel all on our own, buy a bus ticket, and all this stuff. Hector was great. Never forget him. Loved nice, him. Yeah. And I'd always heard, like you said, the rumors of this Eddie Guerrero. He was supposed to be this hot shot, amazing wrestler, great performer. I read about him in like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and the rumors of being around. So Hector goes, my brother Eddie's here in the hotel, in Plaza Madrid, Mexico City. Do you want to come meet him? I'm like, yeah. Like I'm thinking, it's Eddie Guerrero. Like maybe I could be, maybe I could wrestle him someday. Or <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's like, if he's anything like Hector, he's gonna be a great guy. I go to the room, knock on the door. Uh, Hector knocks on the door. Eddie opens the door. He's in his underwear. <laughs> he's a little tiny, tiny white, tiny white. He's a little tiny blueies or whatever they were. Tiny whiteies. And his hair is all mussed up, and he's like. Hector's like, hey, hey, how you doing? He's like, look, he's right at me. He's like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just wrestling here. He's, what's your name? 
well, I'm, I'm wrestling here. I said, what's your name? So I think he's asking me, what's my wrestling name? So I go, Corazon de Leon. It's Spanish for Lionheart. And he's, he's like, like, no shit. <laughs> no shit. I'm Mexican. I don't care about your work name, you fucking mark. What's your real name? And I was like, oh, my gosh. My name's Chris. And he's like, and just like completely just jobbed me out right off the bat. Angry for a little bit. Finally passes out of the bed. Hector and I hung out for a bit. Next morning, I'm eating breakfast at the hotel. Eddie walks down, comes over, goes, I just want to apologize to you for last night. He goes, I don't remember what I said or what I did, but I'm sure it was something bad. But I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, sit down, dude. We all agree right here together that he's the most apologetic guy, bar none. The most Nobody apologetic is, asshole you've ever met. <laughs> Nobody has ever apologized more for anything that he probably really didn't do. Than yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but he did. He did most yeah, of the stuff yeah, too. Yeah. But that was yeah. The, the Eddie the Giant. I was like, what's up with this guy, hey, man? The night before, Eddie's the God. What a what a asshole. He's the mm-hmm. biggest asshole. The next day. God, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> right? yeah. oh. I grew up with him. I do exactly same thing. It was thing. like Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are some of your, like, you guys grew up together. Now, even though Eddie is your uncle, he's only three years three older. Years, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, your first memory of Eddie is just being babies, like being kids, right? Oh, yeah. We were, he's my big brother. We grew up as big brothers. You know what I mean? Didn't he try and, like, kill you or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good hit. No, for real. I just talked about that with my mom the other day. So... Eddie was the baby of the family. Right. He was the baby. He was the youngest. I mean, so Mike, just to put this in perspective, my dad, Chavo Sr., is Eddie's older brother. Chavo Classic. Yeah, Chavo yeah. Classic. Eddie's older brother. He Chavo Classic is 18 years older than Eddie. So my dad's 18. Then all of a sudden, my grandmother gets pregnant. He's he's the, the we call ourselves, the, Eddie was the, Late mistake, and I was the early mistake. <laughs> now, your grandma's still alive, right? She's still alive. Linda yeah, Guerrero, yeah, she's the yeah, best. Yeah, she's I the love best. her. She's great. So, so my, uh, so Eddie's born eighteen years after my dad, and then three years after that, I'm born. You know, so, uh, they, so the dad, two mistakes. Yeah, the two mistakes: the early mistake and late mistake, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, so, um, quick, quick story. My dad always calls me the the BRK. The, the busted rubber kid. <laughs> That's what he calls me, my dad. Can you believe that? The BRK. I can't believe I actually said that. No, I can't believe life. your dad said that, actually. <laughs> yeah, my dad. You can believe my dad said He still owes me 60 bucks, your dad. Yeah. So we're, we're yeah, you know, yeah. 80, isn't 80? Hey, whatever. Interest. What did 80 pay for? <laughs> we'll well, uh, that's another podcast. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so Eddie's, you know, he was, uh, uh, we were so close in age, you know, so. We were like, we grew up as brothers. Even though for a long time of our lives, he grew up in El Paso and I grew up in California. But every summer we were together and we were just, you know, thick as thieves. And he was the big, bro- the big brother I never had and I was the little brother he you never, never had. had. Right. Yeah. So he corrupted me and I just right. followed everything. But when you were born, he was, the, he was the baby and then here comes you. Oh, yeah. So that's what that's what going back. So he's the baby, getting all the attention, and then all of a sudden this little real baby's here. So my gr- my. You know, my my mom leaves me in the crib and she's out talking to my grandma, Mrs. Guerrero, and they're talking, kissing ass, you know, <laughs> to my grandma. And then all of a sudden, she goes, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. And there's no baby monitors or anything <laughs> like that. She goes to check on her baby. And Eddie has a telephone cord wrapped around my neck. <laughs> you heard this before? He For real. And it wasn't like it was a telephone cord that stuck me on the telephone and it's wrapped around my neck. And I'm like, you know, the big old long one with a little... 
little round, the little seventies like a pig's tail. Yeah, yeah. The little pig's tail one. It's right my neck, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and, this is Eddie the heel. This is, yeah. Eddie, this is Eddie, Eddie being Eddie, a heel. This is the Eddie, this is the Eddie at the the night Eddie where he's apologizing. <laughs> and, and my grand, my mom walks in like, "What are you doing?" Oh my god! And you know, pulls the neck off me. He's getting heat. The, the 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 pulls the cord from around the your cord neck. of my neck, and she's you know. Thank God she didn't have to give me like like mouth to mouth or anything like that. But she didn't have the paddles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she she's like, "What are you doing?" And he just kind of walked away, like 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 nonchalant, like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> well, sorry. Did your mom not tell your grandma or anything? Oh yeah, well, she told her. You know, but did he, did he did grab he the cord and put it back into his uh, <laughs> to his tights? Like person, like his tights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulled the wrist tape off his wrist <laughs> and choked me with it. Well, that's a true story. He actually like, tried to kill me. And I was like, I, I never was live, let him live that down. Oh, that's great. You try to kill me. <laughs> yeah, no matter where, whenever you guys are arguing, oh, yeah. whatever, no matter what, me. you tried to kill me. Oh, yeah, but I should have. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys had some monumental arguments because you were traveling together all the time. And you this is. Remember, right? Oh, tell, yeah. Tell him. <laughs> I just remember these guys, the arguments that they got in oh, Dean. Yeah. I remember um, we were driving into Panama City or something. Big arguments. But one thing that Eddie and I never actually did was ever raise a fist to each other. We would be in each other's face and, and Turi. Turi, Turi the, Arturo. The, the, Arturo, the, yeah. uh, our, our Eddie's best friend. He, he was witness to a bunch of them. We were at each other's, I mean, throats and F you and F you and I'm going to break your arm. Oh, yeah, try it. You know, I dare you. Go for it. You know, the whole Rocky, go, go for it. Yeah. And... Uh, we never raised a fist to each other ever in our lives. That's probably a good thing. Five million fights, but never fist fights. I remember one time in Panama City, Eddie was, uh, you were uncle. Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler. Was the shirt he made you wear? What was the deal with that? Did he, he you, lost the, you lost a match, you had to be his servant or something? Yeah, so, so the, the, the deal in, in, you know, remember, Eddie had already been in the business for six, eight years. This is my really my first year in the business, maybe my you know, year and a half. And because yeah, uh, like your first few matches were in WCW, basically, you, I, I probably had nine matches before WCW. And then you're on re- World yeah, TV, yeah, you know, ten matches. And then all of a sudden, I'm on national TV, trying to work everybody, you know. Right. So then Eddie's like, "Look, hey, we'll, they came. I think Kevin Sullivan came up with the, hey, we're gonna um, we're gonna turn you guys against each other." And Eddie's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that could be good. And I'm like, well, what do you mean, turn us against each other? We're family. We don't turn against each other. Look at those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, um, call, remember calling the, uh, the photographer, photographer? Yeah. the English guy. Yeah. So he, he, we're in Panama City and had this this airbrushed shirt that he had made that said, Eddie Guerrero's my favorite wrestler. I think it said cheat to win on the back. And yeah. He, and Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler, <clears throat> so he actually came up with that whole that whole cheat to win a whole deal out of the blue, mm-hmm. Colin. So uh, um, they gave it to me, and I'm like, "What do you mean you want me to wear this? What? what? So I had lost the match against Eddie, so I had to turn heel, as opposed to if yeah, I won the match, he turned babyface. You know what I mean? So he made me turn heel, and it was against all of my my morals and the person that I was. <laughs> so he. He said, you're going to wear this shirt. I was like, no, I'm not going to wear this shirt. This is backstage. I'm not going to wear this shirt. He said, yes, you're going to wear this. This is great. This is for real, by the way. Like He does not want to wear this shirt. I do not want to wear this shirt. This is backstage. No cameras. We're in the locker room. Like you literally don't want to. Yeah, mobile locker room in Panama City. Panama City. 
And I start throwing chairs and kicking walls. I'm not wearing this shit. This is not happening. I was watching you do this. I was I there. I know. You were yeah. there. You yeah. saw it. I'm like, this bullshit. This is not going to happen. And, and, and somehow Eddie convinced me. Maybe you were involved in it. And I, I, we did it. And yeah, it was like, listen, man, you have to understand this is an angle. This is good for you. It gives you TV time. Like, you know, and you're like, I'm not my favorite wrestler. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's my favorite wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> but, he give a shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but just to show you how green you were at the time, exactly. you know, and Eddie trying to explain to you this is a good exactly. thing. Exactly. You were so mad. Yeah. You were so mad at that. I was so mad. I was so pissed. And we did it. And it, and it, he really opened my eyes to how, you know, angles come about and, and how it happened. So when we, you know, later on in that feud, which was you know, a few months later, where I ended up... Uh, we, I won a hair versus hair match to him, but I was a crazy guy, so I ended up shaving my own head even though I won. Oh, yeah. That was my idea. I go, I came to him, I said, look, how about we do a hair match where I win, but I will shave my own head? And he was like, look at me like, okay, is this, uh, <laughs> is this bizarro world? Because <laughs> like a few months ago, yeah. you were throwing chairs and, and, and worried about a shirt, you know? Right. So, he taught me very fast. And then you guys all taught me very fast. Let's talk about Eddie's sweet mullet. His hair was unbelievable. You mean, so Eddie was Latino heat, but everybody would call him Mulatino heat. <laughs> Here's a funny story. Here's where the mullet really comes into play. I was on the tour when uh, they pulled Eddie aside in Japan yeah. and became Black Tiger. Oh, oh wow. That's right, so, that's right, that's right. so when he started, he was Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, he was Eddie Guerrero. So this is when he had like the blonde, couple blonde streaks, the bottom part of the mohawk. So we, we both had a, a friend that was in Hiroshima that used to like tape all the videos of all our matches and give it to us at the end of the tour. You always had that one fan that would always like yeah. bring, bring you bring you VHS tapes, VHS tapes, beta even that far back. <laughs> and uh, so disc. I think Atori and myself convinced Eddie, kind of like the destroyer Dick Byers, that wherever he went in Japan, that he would have to wear his mask. Mm-hmm. So we pull up to the Kyo Plaza where we used to stay with New Japan, and Eddie gets out of the van. And he goes, no one's ever going to recognize me. And I didn't have the heart to tell Eddie that his mullet was still hanging out of the back of his mask <laughs> that everybody knew who he was. And plus, plus his posture, as we talked about <laughs> yeah, earlier. Yeah. So he walks out within five steps, walking in the front lobby. The kid from Hiroshima goes, Eddie-san. And then he looked at me and goes, I hate this mask. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a big honor for him to oh, be given the tiger mask, right? Huge the black huge tiger. Because yeah, yeah. tiger mask is the famous uh, Japanese character. Right, right. And the black tiger was his, his nemesis. Right. Right. Was there a black tiger before him? Yes. Uh, Mark Rocco. Mark Rocco from Rock- England. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Rocco, that's right. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us. And less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses 
like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sitting here with Chavo Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Dean, were you on the tour when uh, the Nasty Boys shaved off Eddie's eyebrows? No, I I miss Shucks. I missed that one. Yeah, but I I heard the the famous story was that, and I wasn't there. I remember seeing him after. But you see him after. If you ever watch the, I believe it might have even been that Art Bar Eddie Guerrero uh, pay per view against um, Octagon and. Santo or whatever yeah, yeah, and Eddie has no eyebrows when worlds and, collide, yeah, and he's got no bangs we called him Frankenstein Guerrero because he had a giant forehead <laughs> no bangs well, I'll tell you a story about that that was all good so am I telling the story first or are you going to tell it go, you go okay so, so they're on the plane in Japan Eddie gets drunk and Nasty Boys you know not ah, I'm going to shave his eyebrows and actually shaved Eddie's eyebrows and cut his hair and then stuck his hand down his pants and the stewardess walked by and was like, you know, to whoever it was that was there, like, your friend can't have his hand down his pants like this. So he took his hand out of his pants. So he wakes up, goes no, to the hotel. He doesn't wake up. He wakes up in the hotel. Oh, I thought, I thought he woke up and went to the hotel. He didn't know what was going on. He woke up. He may have woken up like and Right, right. to go to, but he didn't know anything that had happened. Had nothing. He knew nothing went until he woke he up. He woke up in the hotel, went into the bathroom, looked, uh, brushed his teeth, looked in the mirror. No eyebrows and no bangs. Frank Sangaro. Yeah, totally. I mean, he so he goes horrible. down. Actually, no, Thomas Black oh, oh, Cat. Oh, and um, his mustache was shaped like Hitler. Hitler mustache. So he goes down to, you know, across, <laughs> across from the Tokyo Hotel, there's like a baseball shop for the Tokyo Giants. Yeah. He goes down there. He buys a baseball bat. True. He's going to whack in some fucking kneecaps. He's walking back to the hotel. He runs into a cat, black cat. He's like, where are you going? He's like, this motherfucker is show them. Like, no, you can't go. What do you do? Beat them up with a baseball bat? It was his good fellows. But he was going to go take that baseball bat and destroy them, beat their right, caps. Right, right. But they didn't do that. And as a result, for this huge pay-per-view, no eyebrows, Hitler mustache, no bangs. And there's more to that story. So, so Art Barr was also there, and he was growing his hair out because they were going to you know, lose. Lose the hair versus the hair. hair. Big money in Mexico. So Art kept saying, "Yeah, man, we're getting paid big money, man. To the nasty boys. To nasties. We're getting big, big money, man. We're getting paid big money for this pay per view and this and that and this and that. We're paying big money, big money. So nasty boys. Oh yeah, okay. And now this is unconfirmed because nasty boys will never admit this. And I was just with them in England, and they were blaming on on a few other people. Still to this day, never admitting anything. Never admitting anything. So." So they act, so they end up, you know, H bombing, we call it, or whatever you want to call it. And they gimmicked. You're basically putting sleeping pills <laughs> in someone's drinks. They fall asleep. So that they're able to do this. <laughs> and they end up cutting um, Art Barr's hair, all of his hair, the back of his hair off and stuff. And they put it in a Ziploc baggie with, with five yen <laughs> in, in, in the bag. So it's like, you're going to pay so much money. So when Art wakes up, he wakes up, oh and my we're going to make so much money. And he looks down and, and there's this bag, it's <laughs> my baggie, <laughs> with all this hair in it and five yen. Two, two pennies, like two, two cents, exactly. basically. 
<laughs> did you ever see uh, Art and Eddie as a tag team, Dean? No, I never did. I mean, I saw a couple of the- Yeah, yeah. They were great. They were a great, great team. And it's, it's one of those things. Art passed away in 94. Had he not passed away? Here's an interesting thing. At the time... Eddie was the worker and Art was the was the talker and the and the charisma of the team. Yeah. And I always think that maybe Eddie picked up the exactly. slack from that and applied it to his own character. Eddie used to tell me, he goes, Man, in 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 Mexico, we've got Eddie Guerrero, son of Gory Guerrero, and Art Barr's making more money than him in CMLO. Mm-hmm. And at the time he's like, oh, what the hell's going on? What, what why? What the hell's going on? And so later on he actually told me he's like man he goes i he passed on his charisma at least some of it to me i picked it up from him because because i had no charisma this is mighty because i was just wrestling mm-hmm. and art was the charisma he goes when art passed he goes i i took that i took that from him and actually yeah. learned how to how to have charisma and eddie Pass that on to me. That I learned some from Art, from Eddie, through Eddie, like the third party, because of the fact that um, it was the same thing when me and Eddie first started out as tag teams, and I was frustrated at a couple of things, and he would tell me, he "Goes, you know what? I was this. I was you." Mm-hmm. When me and and Art used to used to be tag teams, he goes, "What's going on with you? With the way you're feeling is the way I was feeling." Mm-hmm. And he was explaining to me. He was, he was he was when I tell you he was my big brother. He was my big brother. He was also an extra five, six, seven, eight years in the business ahead of uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. And like you there, said, it yeah. takes that long to finally have it click in. It was clicking in for him when at you were least, still stuck. Anybody, yeah. who, anybody who's never done this business, you don't just come in in one year or two years and and are this great athlete. It takes years. This is an art form to even yeah. be able to even like even know anything what you're doing it takes it's an art form it takes years to well the, the entertainment aspect is more important than the actual Absol- wrestling absolutely and that's why when we talk about when the radicals first came in eddie was earmarked as the guy who's who's got the more personality yeah. uh, chavo mentioned art form i want to bring this up talk about guerrero and malenko in ecw which basically once again you talk about ecw in the 90s becoming a thing mm. A lot of that reason was because of you two guys, specifically the the few that you guys had. For sure. Yeah, what was, what was funny about that is I did a uh, I did a show in Dallas for Paulie, and I took uh, Ted uh, Petty. Ted Petty. We went as the Komodo oh, yeah. Dragon. It's probably one of the only in time I ever wore a mask. You wore a mask? Yeah, I wore a mask. It was hideous. No, uh, no. no I, you, you wore a mask called a Halloween one. Remember <laughs> that? That was great. Remember that? No. You wore a Halloween mask. Oh yeah! Oh Halloween! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween! The, man. Oh yeah, we got to with the great. cricket too. Was, they took it off, and it was Dimalenko. Oh, Las Grillo, El Grillo. Yeah, yeah. So talk. So, so is you and Ted Petty were the yeah. Komodo Dragons. And, uh, I was working in Japan at the time. I was. Uh, I can't remember if I took Pat Tanaka's place or Tom Bork, uh, which is Paul Diamond. Okay. And uh, they didn't show up, so I told Paulie I would do that for him. And uh, he asked me. He was just starting ECW, just kind of like taking over from Todd Gordon at the time. And said, so would you would you like to come up and run some stuff? Well, I said, you know, I got a, not a full schedule, but I work in Japan pretty much exclusively, and I'm, I'm happy there. I go, but anytime I have any time off, if you run any shows, I'd be more than happy to do that. And I really didn't know anything about the ECW product or really didn't hear anything about it or see anything until I went up there and I said, whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoa, meaning they were doing everything you could possibly imagine with going through. China. Not great workers at the time. Yeah. No, just some really right, crazy. Right. He was the extreme, and that's exactly what they're doing, just extreme wrestling. And, you know, I was trying to think, okay, how do how does Dean Malenko fit into this? 
how could he make this work? And more more important, how does the Philly crowd accept what I could do? Or even like it for that matter. And I told him, I said, right, you know, when I got there day one, uh, again, this goes back to me, Chris, and Eddie, that wherever I went or whatever they went, we'd always, you know, hey, can we get this guy in? I said, you know, I got a guy, Eddie Guerrero, I know you know him. You guys always stand up for yeah, each other exactly. to get the other guys in. So we brought Eddie in, and then uh, we started working, did some, um, I think, TV titles or something like that. And I remember we did like a solid week of 30 minutes, like five days in a row. And that's where when the really connection started, doing the Malenko Guerrero kind of feud really started. But the fans took to us right away. I think because we were different, because we were wrestling like while everybody else was going through tables mm-hmm. and lighting themselves on fire and everything else. That was crazy. You know, too, it's because you guys were, were putting on phenomenal matches and they, and they appreciate it. I mean, and, well, I mean, it, those, those matches hold true to, to today. But, you but, watch them. And, and, and like you said, too, Dean, it was the fact that it was known for a certain thing, but that wouldn't have sustained it. To become the the global phenomenon, what it was, it was part of the hardcore stuff, the Sandman and the Tommy and the Raven, right, right. but the Eddie right. and the Dean and the Chris and all the guys that came afterwards, that was just as much of important. You couldn't see guys oh, no. of your size, of our size, on the national scale in 1994, 95, 96, anywhere but ECW. WCW wouldn't hire us. Right. WWE wouldn't hire us. WCW wouldn't hire us. You guys... And to a certain extent, Walt, Sean Waltman as X-Pac sure, kind of sure, breaking open this sure, door, but showing... Sure. And he's a big guy. Sean's a big guy. At the time, he was around. smaller, though. But it, yeah. was, it was you guys in ECW that became this thing of like this whole right. style of wrestling. Like, right. Look, at, well, look what the other part guys, of wrestling is. Right. You guys, and, hey, and Dean, and, and I haven't seen Dean, just so you guys listen, I haven't seen Dean in, in five years, maybe, right? Mm, Probably at least. If not longer, yeah. If not longer. Yeah. It's the first time the three of us have been together in probably almost 10 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. For sure. So I just want to say that I, I, I respect mostly both these guys so much. But I respect Dean. Thank you so much for teaching me. And I, I don't think I've ever had a chance to tell you that or I never was I accept man cash. enough. <laughs> but thank you, man. You, t- you guys taught me so much. You, you, you Chris, um, Eddie, Fit, Jericho. You guys really taught me so much. You really, really did. And and I would not be the wrestler that I am now if it wasn't for these guys. And I always tell people this. I go, I got tired of getting my ass kicked. And it's like you either get you get tired, you get fed up of being fed up, and that makes you stand like like step up. And it was from these guys. I mean, they were cool. Hey, outside of the, you know in the bar, and we're having a beer and. At the restaurant, they were great, but it was, and when it was in the ring, it was in the ring, and there was no, you had to step up. There was no, they weren't going to like, 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 take it easy on you. And these guys really molded me into who I am today, and that's the truth. And I thank you, man. I love you, man. Welcome. I really do. I love you, Big hug right now between Chavez and a little kiss in the cheek. But here's the thing, too. Think, think, think about it from your end as well. Yeah. Um, you're just starting the business. We mentioned you had maybe a handful of matches. You start right, in WCW, right, right. and then who are you traveling with? You, Dean, Jericho, Eddie, Chris. That was our gang. The five of us thrown, traveling. I got thrown into not not. I got thrown through wolves. Not just like like. Outside of the ring was great. It, it was they took care of me. It was great in the ring. These guys were the some of the best workers in the entire business, and I, you had to step up. And it took me it took me some years to get there, but you know, hopefully that but how, I, I stepped up. But. How how about outside the ring? How about traveling together? Oh my god. 
<laughs> I mean, how many times do we share rooms I, together? I think I yeah. still have that video of us in South Dakota where us, us jumping off, jumping that off the big, cliffs. That big, the big cliffs. Yeah. That's it, uh, for uh, Sturgis? You yeah, mean? it was right before you, you we, we got there. A, yeah. it, was, it was a minivan. Yeah, we had a van. You, Mysterio, Eddie, and Benoit. I think well, the couple of the other guys from Mexico were there, like Hubi and those guys. No, too. I think then just in that in that van was us because we jumped off this yeah. big old. We're we're traveling. We're in Sturgis, the first Sturgis, and we're going back to Wyoming, Casper, Wyoming. After that, and we had a, <laughs> we saw these guys jumping off these big old cliffs. I mean, like it was like a hundred eighty foot drop. Okay, it was like thirty, but, <laughs> <laughs> it, felt like but it was really high. And so we, me and Ray went up to the top, you know, the high flyers, of course. And, of course, the smart guys, Eddie, Chris stayed in the car. Eddie and, and, and Dean went to the, the smaller little rock. I think Dean was the only one. I mean, uh, Eddie was the only one that jumped off. But me and Ray jumped off the big top. And I have it on I have it on. on That's awesome. Not VHS, but what's the, uh, the little super Handheld little super right. camera. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. I have it. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. the DVD. I think some of the best stories is when we room together. Yeah, you know, one of oh, the yeah. funniest things I ever saw was when I first realized in talking to Vicky later on how Eddie used to sleepwalk. Oh yeah, like I would look up and he's like all over the room, like turning the TV on, but not knowing right, it. Right, 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 you know, right, right, and right. one of my favorite stories of all time was me and Eddie debuted in Nitro in Denver, yeah. and uh, that was our first first match on on against each other. Yeah, against each other on national TV, so it was a big deal. So we went out and had a couple of drinks, go back to the hotel. We're at the La Quinta Inn. For some reason, I'd always used to stay there the time. I'd always booked the La Quinta, thinking that Eddie was from Me- from Mexico, and he would like La Quinta because it's Hispanic. Stands for the check. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we had we had two we had two beds, and you always had, always have the nightstand in, in the no, middle with the with the with the La Quinta. Whatever. Was La Quinta? What do you Don't mean? Don't beat your Come on, beat your ghost. Sorry. So listen. So just a quick thing. So La Quinta is a bill. La Quinta is the fifth. La La Quinta is the bill. Q U E. Oh, I always thought. Okay. La Quinta. All these years, I thought La Quinta went, meant the bill. <laughs> okay. Who cares? There's some hotel in Denver. <laughs> okay. So there's two double two double beds, and there's a nightstand in in the middle of us. So for, we don't know how this happened to this day. Somehow, I got up. Must have went to the bathroom the same time. Eddie got up and and was sleepwalking. Alarm goes off the next day, and we both swing our legs around towards each other's bed, and we look up, we look at each other, and we're looking around, and no one's in the room, of course, and we're thinking, how in the heck did this happen? What happened was we you're woke up. in the up. same bed? No. <laughs> no, no. We woke up. We were in opposite beds. So I went back. I came out of the bathroom and went to his bed. He slept walking by. So we changed beds in the middle of the night somehow and still we'd never find out. How so we when you guys woke in the morning, you were kind of like, something's different here. Yeah, exactly. Where's your hand? Wait a minute. Between two That's pillows. Fine. Yeah, those are two pillows. That, that and the, the, the alarm when the people call you on the phone for the hotels is, uh-huh. was always used to drive me nuts with Eddie, but it became so funny that I would just lay in bed. Like, well, if he had like an early morning wake up call to get the flight, you know, to go home or to the next town, the phone would ring. Now, not necessarily in the hotel. If you've never been in a hotel, that when the phone rings, nobody answers. It doesn't necessarily mean someone's prank calling you. It means it's an alarm. They're calling you from the right, front desk. Right, wake-up call. Right, exactly. Yeah. So Eddie would be like half asleep. Half his hair would be on one side. Half of Muller would be hanging over the other side. And he'd like wake up. And so I would always turn my body and, and like pretend like I was sleeping just so I could hear this, this routine that Eddie had. Eddie would pick up the phone and so, hello. And then, hello, and got louder and louder and get really pissed and either slam it or take the phone out of the wall. And I would go, Eddie, 
what are you doing? He goes, some son of a gun just called me and they didn't talk. I go, Eddie, that's the alarm from the front. And this would happen numerous times because I just found it so amusing. I would just turn my back and just let it happen. Bro, we wait so many different times. So, so when I would room with Eddie, this is definitely an, an Eddie uh, podcast, but it works. So we're telling Eddie stories. So when I would room with Eddie, he would. Um, he had to sleep with the TV on. I know. I Everybody hated it. Everybody knew it. He had to sleep with. And I, I, I'm the guy that watching TV. Okay, now, now turn it off. Now let's be quiet. Yeah, I can't thing. sleep with the TV You're on. The same way. You're the yeah, same way. he always wanted the TV on. Yeah, I mean, Chris would even be if when I room with Chris and my belt buckle was bun, was was was, was <laughs> I had my belt buckle undone. It was rattling. Okay. Hey, bro, can you? Uh, Take your belt off. Why are you like, wearing a what? belt to bed anyways? I, I, I was walking around. We passed out. I dressed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> so Eddie was like, I can't sleep without the TV. I'm like, okay, okay. And before he'd even say, I can't sleep without the TV, he would be asleep. Right. I can't sleep without the TV. <laughs> and he's sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So he'd have the, the remote in his hand. And I, so I would just wait. Like two minutes, and as soon as he'd fall asleep, two minutes later, I would the remote would be in his hand, and I'd reach over, and in his hand, I would push off, and the TV would go off, and it'd go to sleep, yeah. and he'd wait sleep all night long. <laughs> right, right. But if you pushed off while he was still awake, hold on, hey, oh, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> I can't sleep without the TV. Why <laughs> <laughs> right? did Eddie become French? Over there. No, that, that, he that asked me one time. Like, he's, like, he's like, "Hey, bro, do you mind if I if I leave the TV on?" Like, that's the question. Do you mind? It's like, well, you actually, yeah, yeah. no. Can you turn it off? He's like, "What are you talking about? I need it on." Well, then why'd you ask me if I mind well, if you what? turn? You, like, <laughs> you, why'd you give me the option? Well, because I. Well, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. Angry, screaming, and then kind of like just calm down and go to sleep afterwards. But you guys used to have arguments over who would win matches. Oh, I remember the best thing was like, you know, he's like Dean. The last match I went over, so tonight you have to go over. <laughs> like, like, when have you ever heard people arguing to do the job? No, just stupid, stupid conversations. You know, yeah. Eddie, Eddie was always, uh, it was very entertaining. Uh, another really fun night was in Rochester at the Blue Cross Blue Shield Arena, mm-hmm. and we were working one night. I can't remember. I think it was for WCW. Yeah, it was for WCW. And uh, we'd always try different things every night and see what worked, what didn't work. And we fell into something and. And it's some kind of move. I don't know what we did, but it was kind of crazy. We got, the place started going crazy, and I grabbed Eddie in like a rear chin lock. And, and he goes, man, listen, the crowd, they're going nuts. Well, I kind of look over my right shoulder, and I look in the audience, and everybody's looking up into the bleachers area. There's a girl that lifted her shirt off and was kind of well-endowed <laughs> and kind of uh, – Entertaining the, the men folk there in the audience and the so, men folk so, in Rochester. So I turn Eddie. I go, Eddie, this is what they're popping on, buddy. And now he now he starts. He gets hot. Now I'm like holding him down because he wants to get out of the ring and like go to this girl and like, what are you doing? We're wrestling type of deal. I'm like, Eddie, calm down. Because he, he was so, he was so excited that we tried something different and we got a reaction, but it wasn't us. That we so got all you do is just flash your tits next yeah, time. Exactly. You get the same reaction. Exactly. But think about that. that, that just talking about you guys arguing about who's going to go over. That's just pure respect. Right. Like you know, because in, in the in the job that we do, I mean, I remember one time I was wrestling Road Dog. Hey man, what do you want to do? I want to win clean with my finish, but that's not going to happen. What do you want to do? Like you, if you can win, you can win. But you guys was never about that. Yeah. It was about like you win tonight, but who cares? Yeah. You know. Well, bottom line is it was going out. You both win if you have a good match. Absolutely. Right. 
For right, sure. of course. Even though one guy gets his hand raised and one the other guy doesn't, but you b- both win. Because at the, at, the, at the end of the day, when you walk out of the ring, nobody comes up to you and go, hey, Dean, you had a great match out of you. sucked. It's, hey, you guys had a hell of a right. match. You guys, meaning it's plural, both of you guys work for the match. And that's really what it's, right. what it's all about. Okay. You know? It goes back to like you said, especially if it's your friend. Yeah. If it's but, someone you don't like, it's like, F this son of a bitch, I'll go over or whatever. Yeah. But that goes back to um, in entertainment. Um, and and I, I say this too, like sometimes when I'm giving these, giving these speeches or motivational speeches, no no one remember, will remember what you say or what you do, but they'll remember how you make them feel. And and in, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're selling a feel in, in wrestling, like how we make this person feel. If I win and it's just a BS match and whatever, no one really cares. No mm. one's, no one's going to remember that at all. But they're going to remember, like, wow, this is an incredible match when Eddie beat Brock mm. for the, um, you know, the, the world the title. Time for the world title. Like, wow, man, it was the feeling. It wasn't like, okay, what? He probably he won with the frog splash, I'm sure, because that was his finish. But it was the feeling, like, oh my God. It could have been a roll up, too, finally, right? It's the feeling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He, he did it. He did it and, and sold out the Cow Palace in San Francisco and standing room only. And it really was standing room only. Let's talk about that. I mean, we mentioned earlier in the podcast about how when you guys came over, the Radicals, actually all of us, too small, still cruiserweights, not good enough, whatever it may be. Sure. And here we are. Vanilla midgets. F- yeah, vanilla midgets. <laughs> five, five or six years later, Eddie is in the world title match against Brock Lesnar, who is nicely twice his size, if not three, three times his for size. Sure, sure. Now, I wasn't there at the time. You were, Gene, you were working behind the scenes. What was the final motivation um, to finally give Eddie the chance to become the world champion? I think the people were ready. I think Eddie Eddie thought he was ready. Um, you know, one thing about Eddie is, and it's kind of hard to understand this, um, you guys would, but Eddie wrestled as a big man. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, it's like when you're watching, you don't sit there and visualize Eddie at his size. Some guys can work as a big guy, mm-hmm. even though they're not physically not. Yeah. You can see that, and you don't have to bring it up. I get it. But, uh, Eddie, and there's some guys that are big that yeah. don't look like they can no. crack an eggshell. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Eddie, Eddie was a guy that would take the match to you, and he would stay on you. He'd be aggressive, and that's just his nature and who he was and, and, and his passion for the business. But that's, you know, I believed in Eddie, the character, and the person. So I kind of I bought hook, line, and sinker that he was a guy that could beat Brock. And, and most importantly, Vince must have believed that. Exactly. You know, Vince must have saw that and go, this, this could really work. Eddie was he was he was you know he was five foot eight five foot nine in real life but really, maybe <laughs> we we all yeah we all know that he really he was he was a six foot four guy he really was his work rate yeah his, not his work rate any just walking out in person his personality his being his presence he was a much much bigger guy he was a guy that made a he he was a guy you remembered it was like a presence that he had that if he got mad you knew this guy was in a you got scared this guy was this guy was like oh my god he was gonna like, height like, didn't matter with him he exactly right. absolutely not he was six foot four plus that's and 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 the same like you said there's two guys that are six foot four that that are five nine you know what else too about it and you're right child i remember regal said this it just it just it just tip me off that when people like you talk about switching from babyface to heel and Eddie and Sean 
Michaels are the two guys that I can think of that were just as good as heels or baby faces. Very few. Very, very few, few out there. Very few. So when Eddie was a heel, you hated him. But when he was a baby face, genuinely people liked Absolutely. him. Absolutely. It was real. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie, that was real. Yeah. So for him versus Brock, I think people sniff it like tonight's the night. And it's probably, I, I don't know what the buy rate was for that show, but it I bet was, you it was a good one. Oh, well, I, remember, I remember this. I remember that it was not a sold-out show until everybody started coming in, and they were selling so many seats from the walk-ups. Night of the show? Yeah, night of the show. Oh. So many seats from the walk-ups that every, it was, when we say stand, it was standing And this is not room. wrestling bullshit exaggeration. Absolutely standing room only. That's from Bruce Pritchard's mouth. That's from uh, so, many, so many people's mouths who were privy to that, that, that information. information yeah. That people were standing, they were selling standing seats. And, and once again, this is and uh, when you talk about Mexican crowds, they're notorious for being walk-ups. Walk so he walk had up. hooked in with the Mexican people. That's uh, uh, huge. You know huge. that was that was the, the, the he, he became Eddie became before his um, he got fired and he was still you know using and stuff. When he came back and he was sober and and, and um, came back for a second run in WWE. He um, became a three-dimensional character. He he didn't just become this character who was a um, this guy who came out of lowriders and was like you know like you know like had a little Chicano accent. No, he became this guy who had problems like you and like me and like the, everybody else in the world. He had problems and he was like his hero. He became this yeah. this three-dimensional character. Folk hero. It really, he really did. And without him even knowing, he just he would just like it, doing, he would just be himself. It's one of the reasons yeah. why um, Ozzy is so right. well loved. Right. Everyone loves Ozzy because he's real. He's really? been a nutcase. He's, he's fucked up. He's made mistakes, he's and he's, he's got, overcome. Yeah. And Eddie was like that too. Exactly. He's like, this guy is not just this this person on TV who's just wrestler. This guy's got problems, and he's been fired, and he's had almost got divorced, and his family almost left him, and. He lost his job and, and all the struggles that all of everybody else in America has. That's why he had the fan base that he had. Exactly. Right. It's that's people exactly, that's exactly it. it. That's why Eddie is who he is and who he is to the, not just to the Hispanic people, but to, to all to the world. He's, he's, it transcended race. It wasn't about Hispanics or English so or whatever. Call that a three-dimensional person. Mm-hmm. He's not just this, this, guy, this character who's his character and this, this, this person and this character on TV. He's... Transcends both. Yeah. Do you know, were you the agent on that match by any chance? Eddie versus Brock? No, I wasn't. Were you backstage? Yeah, I was. So, what's the reaction yeah, when, came to the when Eddie? So, tell me what happened. Tell me about that. Um, I know Vince was in the back. I uh, gave him a hug and then I talked to him afterwards a little bit. And I know his mom was there. I think Mondo was there that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Mondo yeah. and my, my grandmother. Yeah, he was there. He was real yep. excited. Yep. You know, it's to all of us, it's the, it's the pinnacle. It's You, you made it. We 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 were having that feud. Me and him were just having that feud, and my my father, Travel Classic, was in my corner having that feud against him. <laughs> so I wrestled Ray that night. Um, so when the cameras were backstage, I th- I think my dad just broke kayfabe and went up to him and like and hugged him. I I wouldn't, and then back, and then up upstairs in the dressing room, man, I just like cried. I hugged him and cried, and I was like, "You did it, dude! You freaking did it!" He didn't realize the, the. He didn't realize it. Of course, you you don't do it if you win the. You, you've, been, you've been the champion. You you don't. 
realizes the well as a prof- of as a professional you take it in stride you take it okay cool you know right. you can't be a, you don't want to mark out for yourself exactly. right but that's a huge i mean you were the you were the first huge undisputed champion the first dual champion right mm-hmm. we would call it yeah, undisputed champion yeah so beat the rock and stone yeah, cold the same yeah, night yeah okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but you didn't like like went home and like no took as a matter as a matter of fact no you know with the, with the in the mirror with a selfie you didn't do that shit. i sat there kind of almost pissed off because there was things i wish i would have done better right, was eddie exactly. did, did eddie like his match with brock i mean he should have um i think he did yeah i mean you see you see it's, all of us are the same we come from a different mindset yeah you work so hard, and a championship match is great, but now what are we doing tomorrow? Right. And I can but see Eddie kind of just sitting back you, and going, okay, this is cool for tonight, but know, now what's next? Do you know why we have that, that, that work ethic? Is because of Vince McMahon. Vince has told you, has told you, told me, and I know this. When you have that great match, and you have all those medals on your chest, and you wake up in the morning... They're all gone, and you got to do it again. That's the worst, isn't it? Did you do it? Did he of tell course. You he told you that. He told me the exact same thing. And it's like you know what? You are so right because and in anything in in business, you make that deal. Okay, great. You can't live off that deal. The next you have, you're living off your next deal. You're living off your yeah. Next that's deal. it. Yeah. And that's and he prepared me for so much in life, and it's it's the truth. You you're living on your next deal, your next match. You really that's are. all it is. And yeah. That's the way he. Explain that to Eddie, and Eddie saw that. I said, great, hey, I beat Brock Lesnar. So now I'm the champion. How am I going to carry this championship? Yeah, and, and you know, as, as we wind down, I mean, that's one of the things we talked about earlier, that, that Eddie was very, very cognizant. I remember he would always check the gates. What's the gate this week or this month compared to the last time we were in town? And Eddie put a lot of pressure on himself. Right. Absolutely. Huge, huge. Yeah. So if, 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 if the gate was down from the month before, for example, right. he would think it was his fault. You know, I mean, walking around the world title has a lot of prestige, but also has a lot of things that come with it. And one is you, you do. You kind of carry the company on your shoulders. Right. And Eddie had a hard time with that. You're a successful person, and in any aspect, there's a lot that comes along with that. You don't just, not just the work to get there, but it's once you get there, what comes, what the responsibilities that come along with that. And wrestling's no different. So you have Eddie, world champion. Now you're constantly looking at the, the gate. Mm-hmm. What am I drawing? What am I drawing? And in but a sense, I- it's kind of changed a little bit because back in the day, it was. You had, and, and I'll just throw names out there. I don't know if this has actually happened, but it was, you know, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan versus Iron Sheik on the marquee. But then it changed, and now it's just WWE. WWE, yeah. WWE. And Vince McMahon was, was very smart by doing that because then he protected his, his, uh, his business. The brand. His brand. So it but, might not but, just be Eddie being the champion exactly, if it's but, down. But, but Eddie couldn't – he couldn't take that. So yeah. if, if he didn't accept this it. was down, I tried, to, I tried to explain to him. I go, man, it's not just – they're not just giving you the ball to run with it. In a sense, yes. But there's so many other people that are, that are doing the blocking for you, man, that, that if they're not blocking, you're, you're, you can't run with it. He's like, yeah, man, but I'm the champ. And so I go, time to change a little bit, man. It, it, it's It's – and he really weighed heavy on him. He would look at the gate every night. What's going on? And it it, it, it killed him. It got to him. I, I think up. that's why they took the, they took the, the, the strap off. Him. Really? I, I mean, he wasn't mentally able to handle it. I don't know for I don't know What's for that sure. Team? Took the pressure off him. Mm. I don't know for sure. I mean, really, 
He would have been in line to have it again for sure. I mean, the guys. Did he only have it one time? One time. Really? That was it. That was it. He was, and I know they were, they were talking about giving it back to him before. But it totally would have. And right yeah. before he passed, the night before he passed, actually, when right. he and I talked, and they were going to talk about should we give it to him or Randy or Batista, and I think they decided to give it back to Randy. So he was cool with that. He was like, all right, all right, cool, cool. He's like, man, I even called Randy. He said, man, no, congrats, man, brother. You're, you're good for you. But um, uh, that he... I think I, I, he just guy just 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 the way that you know people perceive him that he was he was man he was just something so special. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three pointer at the buzzer to tie the game, or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. How was it for you um, with Los Guerreros? That was, to me, I think of, of you guys, yeah. that's probably my favorite. I mean, you got a lot of great moments, but for me, that was my favorite moments probably for your career I gotta was Los this, Guerreros. We, we were the... And, I, and it's, it's, it, I've, I've said it many times, but I, 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 there was a lot of tag teams out at that time. The Dudleys, the Hardys, you know, I think Edge, no Edge Christian were already broken up. But there was a lot of really, really good tag teams out there. I think at that time, we were the best tag team in the world. I don't think anybody could touch us as far as wrestling, performing, Entertaining, the bingo, entertaining. The, entertaining. the sketches, the vignettes you guys did were hilarious. Nobody could have touched us at that time. Really, tell me, tell me about a couple, couple, couple of the sketches. Uh, there was, um, so that, so the whole, the way the whole thing came about, the whole Los Guerreros with the vignettes and stealing the baby bottle and all that kind of stuff. That was our <laughs> idea. So we, um, me and Eddie, were heels, and everybody hated us. Man, we'd come out and it'd be like, you know. Uh, um, Lie, cheat, steal. Everybody was like, ah, boo. They would, they would boo the heck out of us. So uh, as we, we approached Vince at catering, and Vince is having his lobster tail. And he's, when Vince used to eat in catering. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Back in the old days. Back in the days. He used to eat in catering. Yeah, for sure. Not we'd anymore. We'd go and approach him, and we'd, uh, we'd go talk, and we'd say, hey, man, we have this idea. We want us like steal things and I don't know. Lie, cheat, and steal. Lie, cheat, steal, basically. And he goes, mm, that's great. I love it. We'll, we'll get on that. Okay, so we don't want to think it. Well, okay, great. Perfect. Hey, we high-five each other. Yeah, it's cool. We high-sinkled each other. <laughs> so then um, all of a sudden, um, at the end of the day, Bruce Pritchard comes up to us and goes, hey, uh, okay, we're, we're flying, you, flying uh, Eddie out to L.A., you're close to L.A., right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, 45 minutes south. We'll find you guys out to L.A. Uh, we'll go to shoot some vignettes and stuff. I'm like, really? Oh, uh, okay. Okay, cool. So the day comes up. I drive to L.A. They fly Eddie out to L.A. And we're in the middle of Beverly Hills. <laughs> and there's they have a, a mansion in Beverly Hills, like, rented out for us and catering and trailers. I mean, it's a movie set. I mean, this is not a backstage vignettes. That's what we thought they were going to yeah. be. And we have a movie set with, I mean, every, I mean everything. We it's have, big time. It's 
big time. It's it's a movie. It's exactly what it is a movie. You've done movies exactly what it is. And we're like, I look at Eddie and go, man, we have to knock this out of the park because we do. I didn't expect this. Did you expect this? Absolutely not. So we did the whole vignettes with the big bottle and stealing this and the pool and all the different things we did. And then they, so we come out on on a, a bra <laughs> and we're heels and people boo us like crazy. And then they air, and then the next, or one aired, the baby bottle one aired. We stole the baby bottle. And then uh, um, the next week we came out, and we're same exact thing, same music, same mantra, same everything. We walk out expecting to get booed, and everybody cheered us. And we looked at each other. As we're walking down the aisle, we went, ah, crap. (laughs) We're baby faces. Yeah. And we went, and, and, and they just like that, and it changed. So we came in the back, and we looked at Hunter, Hunter and we said, it was H. What happened? Why are we baby faces? He goes, you guys are too entertaining. And that changed right there. Our styles never changed. We got a little more cuter in the ring. Before, we would cheat, like, like choke you on the ropes. Yeah. And then we started choking you, like, uh, that cute style. Yeah. yeah. Because we're baby faces. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um... G- Babyface cheaters instead yeah, of heel cheat. cheaters. Yeah, we were still lie, lie, cheat, steal. Yeah, we lie, we cheat, steal. Our our our, our songs never changed. Nothing changed, except for when we when we were heels, we'd only win with like roll ups, and we would steal one on you. Then, as babyface, we started to win with double frog splashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd drop him. He'd you know something that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. But um, that, that, that's how that all came about. It's crazy, right? And and good stuff too. Yeah. So it was awesome. Dean, if you had to choose, you, can you pick your favorite match you ever had with Eddie? Does one stand up for you? Well, I think everybody would probably say the last match we had in ECW, only because it was like a goodbye match to that audience, and it kind of catapulted us to WCW, and then of course to WWE. But um, one of the best matches I think we ever had was the non-televised match. Uh, Eddie came to the house. Eddie was living in El Paso at the time, right before he. I got him to move to Tampa, and uh, he came into Tampa. We were sitting on our couch, and it was like a Sunday afternoon, and ECW was in Orlando. We were drinking a couple of beers, watching a football game, and time got away from us. And all of a sudden, my wife comes in and says, <laughs> aren't great. you guys supposed to be at the building in Orlando at such and such time? <laughs> Me and Eddie looked at each other and, like, did the home alone thing, put our hands in our face. What? And went, ah. <laughs> so we get in the car. We're doing about 100,000 miles an hour to Orlando. We get to the building. We're about in match number three. He's already on there. Paulie sees us at the door and he starts cutting a promo on us. Where the heck are you guys? You know, you guys are showing a play. You know, go get dressed, get your butts out there, go have a match. Went out there, didn't even talk, and did like 20, 25 minutes and just tore the house down. You're supposed to say that, tear the house down. <laughs> of course. And, People uh, hanging from the rafters. It was just, you know, because we were in such a hurry, didn't even think about like what we were wearing or what, what we were doing, who was out there, what the match was before, you know. <laughs> And uh, just had a great match. Nights like that and or is when you really, you know, settle down. As far as, like, watching a match, we haven't mentioned it, and only because I know Ray really wanted to be a part of this, and a big part of Eddie's life is is uh, Eddie's match with Ray. In Vegas. In Halloween, in Halloween. Incredible. Incredible. One of my favorite Incredible. matches that, uh, that I wasn't in, but, I, but I, Incredible. as a spectator. Um, those are two of my favorite guys as friends, of course, and performers. That that was one night where you get two guys at their best clicking to get the best match possible. 
you know, yeah. I, he was Eddie was at my house um, the night before when I lived in San Clemente. The night you stayed in the, at my house, right, right. My, my, that was my old apartment back in San Clemente, California. Low rent neighborhood duplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally <laughs> crappy. <laughs> Hardly. Yeah, no, it kind of was back in the day. I was. In the, I remember it being a mansion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was in the uh, <laughs> the uh, parking lot of a big old bar. La Quinta. Yeah. yeah, La Quinta. The check. <laughs> so. So uh, um, Eddie and he spent night in my house, and uh, I think he slept on the couch that night right before the pay-per-view. The, the Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, right? So um, this is when, when low-fat ice cream first came out. So we had, a great, we had a great workout. We went to run from the beach. We ran on the beach for like, man, like like. I had like three Jared's miles. Fire like bland. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, it was. I mean, it was serious stuff. I mean, we had the white tank tops on. Chase, chase yeah. fire. And we came back to, back up to the root, you know, the house, and I said, "Hey, man, I got this 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 uh, ice cream." So ice cream is no, no. I'm on a diet. You know, Eddie was like a crazy diet, diet. zero carbs. And that's before he got even. Re- he was just he got really shredded off that. So um, yeah, like no carbs, yeah. just veggies, and just you know meat, chicken breast, chicken, chicken breast, and yeah. yeah. Salad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pam spray. You, if you yeah. use Pam spray, oh, two seconds, two seconds of the Pam spray. <laughs> yeah, he would tell people only spray the Pam two seconds on the pan before you cut the, before you cook the all eggs. This, the, all this food, right, right. You know, you know how much food we got spit on. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no he was always sick. <laughs> Nobody always had pink eye. <laughs> oh, too much Pam spray. Too much Pam. So, so I said, hey man, this guy's ice cream. I said, man, it's 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 low fat. He's like, what? Really, it's low fat. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Eddie, being the uh, the addict that he was, there's 100 grams of sugar in it, but it's low fat. He he, he it was a it was a gallon of ice cream. Or was, that, was, that, was that a half gallon? I don't yeah, know, whatever. Half a big big ass so jar. He, like a half gallon. Half gallon. So he takes you know three or four scoops, and he's man, this is really good. Says, yeah, man, it's good. It's good. So I'm getting kind of tired. He's like, hey man, you might have to get a little more. I said, no man, go ahead, go ahead. It's fat free, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So this is a little more, right? So now I'm like, my eyes are getting tired. It's like about 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. So, hey, man, I'm going to go to bed. It's like, oh, okay, man, it's cool, it's cool. Can I get a little ice cream? Yeah, man, go for, go for, go for it. It's a little more. So I wake up in the morning. They go get a coffee, and he's sleeping on the, on the couch. And I look in the trash can, and the whole half gallon's gone. <laughs> and I was like, shit. And, he's like, hey. and he, he wakes up, hey, man. We don't mind, but I, man, I, I, I eat all your ice cream. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's, 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 you know, it's low fat, man. It's okay. It's no problem. But you look back at it now, it's like, you know, the serving size yeah. is like a half cup. Right, right, right. And the serving size is like 25 per container, <laughs> yeah. right? He eats it all. It's low fat and low sugar. But if you eat it all, it's like yeah, extremely yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day, he goes in and wrestles Ray. And has it. I, I attribute his great match to, to the, the ice cream. cream. The, what's yeah. the what's the favorite match that you and him ever had? Um, against each other, you know what? Uh, I, I, we had so much more chemistry with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, me with too. Each other against each other. Our, our um, it could be with him too. Yeah, it, against each other, uh, we were so. Um, I think just we loved each other so much that we didn't want to hurt each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we would really, really take it easy on each other. Um, Against each other, I mean, no, with each other was uh, I think so many times that we wrestled Angle and Benoit, and one time we wrestled them at a um, 
in England. So we left like it was like somewhere on the East Coast. We got done with a Raw and or a SmackDown, and we jumped on a plane and flew to the to not East Coast, excuse me, to England, to the UK. We flew to the UK, flew straight there, went right to the arena, did a pay per view, and jumped on the plane and flew right back. That's how you know, how bad it was. Mm-hmm. But we we were in Manchester Arena, and uh, it was he and I versus uh, Benoit and Angle, and we just you know just tore it down. We would all four of us would really, literally beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. We really would. And I probably took you know between he and I together, we probably took fifteen German suplexes <laughs> that night. Just bam, bam, bam you know. Um, you know that's a great night. Uh, another one is again in Corpus Christi. This is a good one. You're probably there in Corpus Christi. We were the heels, and Benoit and Angle were the baby faces. And so we get to Corpus Christi, and we're the main event of the show. And as we walk out, we're expecting to get booed. Well, a Hispanic community. Corpus Christi, so yeah. Everybody cheers us. They're like, oh, man, yeah, ciao, lady. They're cheering us like crazy. So we get in the ring, and, and Kurt goes, hey, turn them, meaning turn the people against you. So Eddie hears turn so we turn we turn baby face <laughs> so we started man we're going off and yeah who's got the green card now you guys you know we're going off so kurt's waiting for us to turn and turn them and we don't ever turn them he's like oh, i guess we gotta switch it so we ended up going to the ring and 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 they were the heels and we we're the baby faces i mean at one point in the ring we caught everything in the ring because it was just got you know messed up out there so at one point i mean i had kurt in the ankle lock he had chris in the in the, in the cross face and, and it, it was just like magic. classic right it was magic magic yeah. you couldn't even you couldn't do it again yeah. that's, that's probably one of another one of I, i'm the same as you I, it's funny because for me i didn't wrestle eddie as much as people might think like we were in the, we grew up all you of us together tag team though the a and way a and way the, the the greatest tag team that never was right. And my favorite match ever with, with Eddie as my partner. We, we had one match at Fall Brawl 97 against each other, which was really good. But back then, nobody in the crowd cared about our matches. So it was just dead right, silence, right. which is so crazy. You think, oh, Guerrero versus Jericho. They must have went nuts. Nobody gave a shit. But my favorite match with Eddie was um, Jericho and Guerrero versus Benoit and Malenko for the Brian Hildebrand tribute show in oh, Knoxville, Tennessee. That's right. It was not on TV. It was not for a major company. It was for our friend Brian, right. uh, Mark Curtis, a referee who had cancer. <laughs> and that was the main event, was the two of us against the two of you guys. I've never watched it back, and I'll never gonna, I'm never going to watch it back. I don't even know where you can see it. I'm, you, it was I'm sure Dean, someone has it in a Dean bootleg. Dean and Benoit against Jericho and Guerrero. Oh, wow. And I, I, I remember walking out of that match going, that's about as good as it gets. It was uh, Rick. Rick was there and uh, Flair was Tara there. Taylor. Tara Taylor. It was it was a it was an independent show uh, yeah. that was done by WCW for our friend who was dying of cancer or had remission from cancer. He was a great referee yeah. called Brian we, Hildebrand. We brought him the title. Uh, we did. Night. We had the Horseman shirt on underneath. We I think we bumped the ref and he came in wow. for the one. With the two, Horseman three, thing, and, yeah. You know. I, I remember afterwards. It was funny too because Eddie gave him a, a black tiger mask and I gave him a super lager mask and he was so excited about the black tiger mask and could give give a shit about the super lager mask. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, right. Let me see the black tiger mask again. It's a, but I, I remember. Like I said, that's why I made sure. I think I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure people on Twitter have it or can tell us we can find it. But that is one of those matches I don't. Ever 
never want to see again because I remember walking out, which was so good. And I always say Eddie and I were world tag team champion quality tag team that just never got her much not, of a run. Not even against more, more than that. More, more than that. More than that. And you guys were thanks, were, dude. Were great chemistry. Great, great, great chemistry. chemistry crazy. And once again, against two of our best friends, two the the four of us at that point in time. This was before you even came, or maybe you were around oh, a little bit. Yeah. But the, the four of us were like the four friends, right. and to be in there together with our other friend, it was one of the greatest moments of my career back in 1997, maybe the, something the, like that. Yeah, there, there, right there. But see, people listen. There are so many different matches that you had that, that you felt were very good matches that you don't have to watch back. You just you don't you don't almost yeah. don't want to ruin the moment because we're so cynical of each of right. ourselves I think, and and say like oh well you know I could have done this better or whatever that you you just you don't have to like we mark out well you don't have to we just like. The memory, or maybe is, you don't want to. The memory is the bigger memory's than the match. Better yeah. than the match, it really is. Then well, I was special. Well, again, it was four friends working, but the most important thing was we were trying to entertain a very dear buddy of ours. That yeah, who, who came in and, and he rang the bell at the end. Yeah, there was a ref bump, and he couldn't ref the match because he was too sick. But he came in at the end and rang right. the bell. He's got a very distinct. Took a shirt off and he had a horseman. A horseman shirt, shirt. Yeah, he's such a cool. sycophant. And then he was like ringing the bell. He used to do this thing with the with the fingers, like ring the bell. Right. And it was just ref, and it was it was oh, like a so sold out show. Yeah. Like it was just a great great night. Civic Center. And there's the famous picture of right. the five of us. And <laughs> you and me are the only ones left, Dean. Yeah. You know, it's it's a crazy yeah. shot. It's in my first book. You look at that picture. And it's like wow. It's it's a pretty cool yeah. moment. So, uh, last question. What do you miss the most about Eddie, Dean? Uh, well, you know, there's not many days that go by, even 10 years later, uh, that I don't think of Eddie. Like, uh, sometimes I'll be at the building and just sit in the stands and look around. And I'll ask myself, what would Eddie be doing now? You know, would he still be wrestling or uh, would he still be being the yeah. giant? Or, you know, what, what would Eddie be doing now, 10, 10 years later to the date? Um, it's funny. I, sa I said this when I spoke at his funeral, and I'll say it again only because uh, – it means something to me. I miss Eddie's hugs. Right. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But uh, true. Eddie was very passionate. Uh, if you were his friend, you were his friend. If he didn't like it, he would tell you he didn't like you, as we know that. Yeah, pretty straightforward. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny because Chavo said he felt Eddie was like a big brother. Eddie felt to me like a younger brother in many ways. And I have just one older brother, but I never had a younger brother. And Eddie would always confide in me for different things that he needed or that he was going through struggles or whatever. And he always knew that I was there for him. Like we all were, you know, but, um, I was had a special relationship with Eddie and just, and I, again, I said this in his funeral and I'll still say it 10 years later. I miss his hugs. It sounds weird, but it's just, it's, it's if you've ever been hugged by Eddie. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's true. yeah. That's true. A real hug, a real hug, not a fake Hollywood hug or wrestling. Hug. Hey bro, exactly. it's a real, like, Right. Embrace, yep. maybe embrace. Yeah. You know, if anybody was not fake, that was Eddie. Mm -hmm. He was the most real person I think I've ever met. As far as uh, that's a great example. Like uh, his hugs, his hugs. He would hug you. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't hug you. There was no like, hey, pat in the back. He yeah, fake like, hey, hug. Yeah. Okay, he's not gonna even. He's not gonna even hug you. But if he hugged you, if you were his brother, you were his brother for life. Period. He would die for you right yeah oh yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah. I, I miss uh, uh smile and laugh yeah. the, you know great sense of humor right. sometimes kind of weight of the world on his shoulders but when that went away and, and the sense of humor of eddie was there and and one of my favorite memories and both you guys were there 
was uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Leonard Skinner uh, at Sturgis. <laughs> Chavez, stop this stuff. I had to fill those jeans away. What'd you do? I had to fill those jeans away. Do you know this? Do you Why? Know? Well, of course I know, but tell the reason. All right, all right. so we're at. Let me forget, set the tone. We're at Sturgis for, for Roadwell pay-per-view. Leonard Skinner is playing the night before. Giant campground, jam-packed, and they put us in the photo pit. So there's the stage photo pit. Is that uh, what it's called, the photo pit? Photo pit, yeah. Uh, guardrail and then 20,000 people. And they set us up there with a, with a case of beer and... The, the music. So I never knew what it was called. That Brian was Hildebrand was with us that night. Brian Hildebrand was with us, yeah. So, so, yeah. That's right. So was Chris. So was Eddie. Yeah. So there was always, I always said, there's the front row, and then we were in front of the front row. Yeah, there we was the front row of the guardrail. the stage. We are touching the stage. Yeah, we were the pit where they take pictures. I, yeah, yeah. The foot, yeah. photo pit. called the photo pit. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, so we're in there, the, the, and we're drinking beer, and we don't want to leave because the band is killing it. And uh, this is the Buffalo Chip, wasn't it? Buffalo Chip the Campground Buffalo Chip or something. Yeah, Campground. This is huge stuff yeah. in Sturgis, and we have the VIP access right there. We have Leonard Skinner wearing our T-shirts, wearing really? WCW T-shirts, wearing Goldberg. Not us. But <laughs> at the time, they had like Goldberg <laughs> and Lex Luger, the whole Lord knows we didn't have T-shirts. No, didn't, we didn't have any T-shirts. <laughs> but they on. say our. We don't really you know, mean ours. Our WCW. <laughs> we didn't have our T-shirts on. So, so they had, you know, their T-shirts on. <laughs> So we were, we were right there. I mean, I mean, these guys. It was incredible. Man, just to watch it. And uh, I remember um, um, Ricky Medlock. Or no, no, who's the uh, referee? Nick. Um, Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick. Ah, I love the guy. Yeah. I love the guy to death. He's awesome. So he was right there. and He's a big guitarist guy. Yeah. So he was watching. Yeah, he played guitar. Yeah, yeah, he was watching Ricky, and he was watching the other uh, guitarists. He was super, super clean. He just showed me, just telling me like how. Awesome, these guys were. Man, it was just like an entranced <laughs> night. It was so incredible with, you know, 10,000, well, maybe 5,000 fans behind us going crazy. It was awesome. So we're watching, and I just, Dean's right next to me. Is It's, man, we're just like, we're like free bird. We're singing. It's great. So I look over at Dean, man. I'm like, yeah. And he's looking at me. So I'm thinking, yeah. And I look at him, and I look back at at the stage, okay, why is he looking at me? And then all of a sudden, my my jeans start burning; <laughs> like they get real hot. And I'm thinking, what the f- what the what the heck is going on? I look down, I look at Dean; he's looking at me, but not looking at me. He's like kind of looking through me, like kind of like looking around and looking. And, and, he, and all of a sudden, my my jeans are getting real hot. I'm like. Are my jeans on fire? Is he light? Is he ribbing me? Is he lighting my jeans on fire? Well, he kind of is. He's pissing on my jeans. Well, he doesn't mean to be pissing. He's peeing, but he's not. He's just not trying to pee. He's trying looking around, like like trying to be nonchalant, like he's not touching anything except. So he's peeing on my. He's peeing, and it just happens to be peeing on my jeans. And I'm like, Dean, what are you doing? What's your retort what are you to doing? that? He's like, that was oh. <laughs> you just had to go so bad. It wasn't me, and it was very cold out. <laughs> no, we, we we didn't want to leave the pit. Right, we were drinking, having a good time. I didn't know where the bathroom was. It's, so obviously, yeah, you were, so, yeah, figured the bathroom. You was in front. Bit, yeah, the, the bathroom was in front of me. So as so I'm walking around the oh, rest of the night gosh. after the concert around the Buffalo Chip with with P 
peed on jeans. Chavo's nice, but he smells like piss. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Chavo, that just. <laughs> but I remember, I remember Eddie uh, for Freebird, that crazy guitar solo, and he's playing it on a, on a water bottle. He was air banding it on the water bottle, you know. And I just remember looking over, and he was sitting there with his Tejano jeans. Tejano jeans. I talked to Booker about the other day. Tejano jeans. That was his big insult because Eddie had those weird jeans that had like a elastic waistband or something. They had belt loops and elastic. He's like, why do you have belt loops? You got elastic. Tejano jeans. Yeah, but he was jamming on that on the Freebird with the water bottle. So, hey, man, it's been 10 years with no Eddie. And, you know, it's one of those things, man. I think about him every day, as I'm sure you guys do as well. And hopefully we'll all get a chance to see him again someday somewhere. But we'll never forget him, man. So cheers to Eddie. Yeah, for sure, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Great seeing you guys, for sure. And... Ah, shut up. <laughs> it's so good. Love you guys. <laughs> hey, I got to pee. <laughs> Dean's got to pee. <laughs> Great time getting together with Dean Malenko and Chavo Guerrero. I don't see those guys uh, as much as I'd like to, but it was great to get together and just talk about Eddie and remember uh, how good of a guy he was, how great of a performer he was, and um, especially was to all of us. Truly one of the best of all time. Uh, also, don't forget to check out Viva La Raza on VivaVLR.com. On Monday, November 16th, this Monday, they're launching with shirts half off and free shipping. But you got to jump on it because the shirt design is only available for 21 days. So if you don't get it, you won't get it. All right? And tonight, uh, you don't get those tickets. You're not going to get to see Fozzie live in Rotterdam for the first time ever. The Cinderblock Party Tour with Sumo Psycho and Nonpoint starts tonight in Rotterdam. Then we go to uh, Vienna, Hamburg, Berlin, Luxembourg. We're playing France on November 20th. Then we're heading over to the UK, Reading, London at the Islington Academy on the 26th. Come check that out. Manchester, Southampton, Birmingham, Newcastle, Nottingham, Sheffield, and Wales. If you heard your city in one of those uh, one of those uh, places, if you live in one of those cities, uh, if you live close to one of those cities, go to FozzyRock.com for all the venues and ticket information, all the gigs, and the VIP info. Come see a sound check. Come uh, listen to a Q&A with the band, with Chris Jericho. Ask us anything you want. Uh, it's one of the best VIP programs in the world today, FozzyRock.com. I also want to say I had a great time hosting the Classic Rock Roll of Honor Awards in London at the Roundhouse uh, on Wednesday night. I'm going to tell you all about that next week, about uh, hanging out with Brian May from Queen, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, Lemmy, Bruce Dickinson, uh, Alice Cooper, so many uh, great people and great times. It was a blast to host that show. So uh, I'm going to tell you about that last uh, next week. Uh, thank you for listening this week, and thanks to all of you who are Talk is Jericho supporters. And please go check out my great sponsors as well. Uber, True Car, Avant. Use the promo code Jericho to check a competitive rate risk-free. DraftKings.com. Play for free when you use my promo code Y2J. DDP Yoga. Win an autographed copy of DDP Yoga by tweeting your own DDP Yoga story to me at Talk is Jericho using the hashtag podcast1. And, of course, Amazon, the longest-running sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support the show. Use them links. I got them in the USA, the UK, the Canada, 
every time you shop for something on Amazon, go to the TIJ links. Uh, you go to podcast1.com, click on the supporter show sponsors banner at the top of the page, then hit the talk is Jericho button. Go ahead, pick up whatever you want. Go check out the Chic documentary. He was great last week. How about the new Hurt Smile album, Retro Grenade with Gary Sharon? He was on, uh, or go buy Extreme Pornography if you want. Support Talk is Jericho. Support all of our guests on this show and support yourselves. And support me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to uh, Chavo Guerrero and Dean Malenko this week. What a great, great time. Thanks to Doc McGee, too. If you haven't listened to that, amazing rock and roll stories about Kiss, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, the Scorpions, uh, the James Brown, Gorbachev. We, we ran the gamut with that. Um, thank you so much for listening. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. Next week, Metallica's Robert Trujillo returns. And now he's got his family with him. Uh, we had a great time talking about Robert's uh, new Jocko Pistorius documentary called Jocko. We talked about bass playing. We talked about Brooks Wackerman joining Avenged Sevenfold. And, of course, there is a Metallica studio update. Metallica is back in the studio, and Robert will give us uh, an update about all the things that are going on and when we can expect the new Metallica record. That's going to be here on, uh, on Wednesday. All right, so we'll check you out then. We'll see you. Be cool, be safe, and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.